12 years, you didn't even know you had a son. But then one day, I ran away from military school to look for you. And I'll never forget the words you said when your eyes met mine. You're my what? Mr. Stratton? Yeah. Are you Edward Stratton III? That's me. Pleased to meet you. Hi. I'm your son. To join this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Will you, Edward, take this woman as your lawful and wedded wife? I will. And will you, Kate, take this man as your lawful and wedded husband? I will. With this ring, I thee wed. I now pronounce you husband and wife. everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Well, today I'm going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 16, entitled Author, Author, and Season 5, Episode 18, because Season or 5, Episode 17, Mother's Day, I did back in May. So now we're also moving on to Hero Worship, which aired on February 16th, 1987. So jumping back to author, author, in this episode, Edward's ex-wife writes a novel about a woman's stormy relationship with a character to whom he bears a strong resemblance. Wow, Kate's got to feel pretty good about that, not. And... Hero worship. In this episode, the Stratton's new neighbor is a rookie basketball star. And Rick is thrilled when he offers him some coaching and invites him to games. But the family is stunned when their new friend is suspended after a drug possession arrest. Yeah, most likely back in the 80s, it was probably even bigger of a deal than it is now. I mean, it seems like a big deal now in a way, but it just... Seems like people just like, uh, oh, yeah. So jumping back to author, author, this has got a 6.8 out of 10 based on 15 ratings. We get to see Marie again, slash she's playing Oprah Winfrey. So I'm thinking someone's having a fantasy dream or someone's having a delirious dream. And since I already covered Mother's Day, this is going to be the last episode I cover that will have Christine Belford playing Evelyn Stratton Whitting. Because she got married in, what was it, season four? She married a duke? And it seems like in Mother's Day, in the episode after this, that she and Kate have finally come to... Because their relationship is kind of rocky where, you know, Evelyn was married to Edward, now she's his ex, and they're raising a son, to co-raising a son together, and then you have Kate, who's Edward's current wife, and how she fits into it, and it's just, they don't like each other. 
But it seems like in Mother's Day, they kind of set, set that aside. So we're going to get most likely them shooting eye daggers at each other, trading insults, saying, hey, you changed your hair, or like, oh, you'll you put on a few, you know, crap like that, garbage like that. So, this episode was directed by Art Dillahan, writers David W. Duclan, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, Martin Cohen, also written by Dennis Markle and Doug Bernstein, or Bernstein. Oh, we have a quote here. Dexter, oh, Dexter is making an appearance. Cool. He says, you dream about Oprah Winfrey? So do I. What does she wear in your dream? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, Dexter, we love ya. Alright, so, let's jump into, you know, I'm, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read the summary. I read the summary for Hero Worship. It's got a 6.6 out of 10, based on 15 readings. And looks like we got definitely some guest stars. We got Tim Dunnigan playing Gary. We got Janet Carroll playing Arlene. Bradley Gregg playing Eric, who is a friend of... Okay, so Eric has got to be Eyeball Chambers. Yep, he's Eyeball Chambers, but then again, I just call him Eyeball Chambers. And we have Jeff Marshall playing Jeff. So I'm guessing clearly Eric is one of Rick's friends. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's either going to be Gary or Jeff playing the next door neighbor basketball star arrested for drug possession. This episode was directed by Judy Elterman. And written by David W. Duclan, of course, and the many others that also write on you know, have a hand in the show Silver Spoons, Ron Levin, Michael G. Moy. Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, Martin Cohen says story is by Ron Wolner and teleplay by Stephen Langford. Okay. This one aired two days after Valentine's Day. Hero worship. All right. Well, before I get into the episode, I always like to let you know where you can find the podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on the Punky Power podcast. Uh, the Punky Brewster podcast, and where you can find the podcast on social media. It has its own Facebook page. Just type in Silver Spoons Podcast. That together we're going to find our way. An unofficial Silver Spoons Podcast will be up there. Also on Instagram at Silver Spoons Podcast. So, also, if you guys want to send me an email, I'd love to hear from you. You can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. So without further ado, let's jump into author, author, and see how cray cray Evelyn's visit is going to get. And let me guess, if she's a, a New York Times bestseller with this book, I wonder what the book is called. I'm curious. Probably something steamy. Because you know how people, you know, they're into those harlequin romance. Oh my god! Is it a harlequin romance? Evelyn, dang, girl! I don't know. We don't know yet. Because like I say, I don't watch these episodes ahead of time. So I'm as surprised as you are if you haven't seen the episodes. So, 
I can only imagine what this is, how Kate's got to feel. It's like, you're writing about your ex-husband who has to be my current husband. Ugh. All right, we come out of the intro, and we are in Rick's room. We got Rick and Brad, and I guess Brad wanted to run for student council president. And Brad's congratulating Rick, like, hey, thanks, that speech was amazing. And Rick tells him, you're not going to win student council by telling everyone you're a good kisser. And, of course, Brad tells Rick, well, I got Nancy Kellner's vote as he winks. Like, I thought the majority of the school does not like, the school populace does not like Brad. You know, they think he's a creep. Well, I can imagine. I mean, the girls most likely do. At least that's what I've gathered since Brad came on to the show in what? Season four? Because Freddie left, like, more than halfway through season three. So Rick sits on his bed, and we got Brad with his feet up on the table, sitting in a chair. And Rick tells him, like, hey, I don't have time for this. My mom's going to be here, like, any minute. And Rick says he's uh, Brad's campaign manager. It's like, when I volunteered to do this, when I signed up for this, you said you were going to stick to the issues. Which, why isn't Rick running for student council? He honestly would be the better choice. And Brad's like, well, I have. And Rick tells him, co-ed locker rooms are not an issue. That is exactly why Brad does not need to be running for president or student council president. And it just, Brad keeps coming back. Well, I got the football team's vote. Like, I'm sure you did, but that doesn't account for the rest of the student body. So I like that Rick is a level-headed friend that tries his best to keep Brad on track. Like, hey, we got 24 hours before the election. Let's get some work done here. Real honest work. Not this goofy games you seem to want to play. And Brad's already jumped to the acceptance speech. He's like, I really want my acceptance speech to be good. I'm like, let's let's actually try to win the this candidate race first before you jump ahead to, I'm not going to say my acceptance speech. Because I... Like I say, guys, I don't watch these episodes ahead of time. I kind of think he's... This is this is what I'm thinking, right? I think that Rick... And this is probably going to be a first set, stretch, but... I think Rick could run against Brad and win. I don't know. So we learn who's running against Brad. Peter Hastings. As Rick's like, I think you need to worry about his speech. And Brad's like, you think that wimp can beat me? And he's like, hey, what does he have that I don't have? An intelligent platform. Well, there you go. There you go. A 4.0 grade point average. And he's the star of the... Boom! Sold! Sold! He's the star of the basketball team. He's got the jackpot right freaking in his pocket. He does! And a 4.0, he's an athlete, and he's got a 4.0? This guy has got it in the bag. Brad, you may as well just concede and just say, hey, I, I, I'm I, not. Mm. 
I mean, you guys know how I feel about Brad. Yes, in the last episode when he stayed with the Strattons, I did feel a little bit for him when they were talking trash about him in the kitchen. But that is gone now. That little itty-bitty ounce of remorse or whatever I felt for Brad, gone. Bye. And Brad's like, yeah, but can Peter Hastings do this? And I don't know what Brad's doing with his face. Is he trying to be smoldering? I don't know. Okay. Even Rick's like, oh my goodness, why did I agree? Why did I sign up to help you? I don't know why. Rick, I gotta tell you that was the best speech I ever gave. Brad, you're not gonna become student council president by telling people you're a good kisser. <laughs> I got Nancy Kellner's vote. <laughs> but Brad, I don't have time for this, alright? My mom is going to be here any minute. When I agreed to become your campaign manager, you said you would stick to the issues. And I have. Brad, co-ed locker rooms are not an issue. <laughs> I got the football team's vote. Come on, Brad, we have 24 hours till the election. Can we get to work? Yeah, you're right. I really want my acceptance speech to be good. <laughs> if I were you, I'd worry more about Peter Hastings' acceptance speech. Oh, dude, you ain't you think that wimp can beat me? And what does he have that I don't have? An intelligent platform, a 4.0 grade point average, and he's star of the basketball team. Yeah, but can Peter Hastings do this? Is this supposed to be a smoldering look? <laughs> so, Kate is standing at the bottom of the stairs. She's not even really... There's a, if you come down the stairs, there is a window there. And at first, I'm like, is Kate waiting for someone, you know, you know, Rick's mom is coming. And Marie comes down the stairs. She's like, oh, are you guys going to be eating in tonight? Are you, what's what's the plan here? And Kate tells her, well, we don't know yet. Rick's mom is coming in from the airport, so we could eat out. We might eat in. And, of course, Marie's like, yeah, I guess I'll be the last to know then, like always. Oh, Kate is kind of fixing her hair in the mirror. Okay. Yeah, and it just seems like... Would you call this a rival? I don't even think it's a rival. Between Kate and Evelyn, they both at one point in time had loved the same man. One's the ex-wife, one's the current wife. And it just seems like Evelyn just relishes in the fact that she can ruffle Kate's feathers. Like, you know, get her going on stuff and just... I guess, I don't know. I mean, sometimes... People like to, they know the people that they could get a rile out of, and they enjoy doing it, because they love the reaction. And that's the thing about me, I guess, <laughs> in the past, some people love the idea that they can get a rile out of me, because they love my reaction, <laughs> or I'm a bit uh, over the top. So Edward comes in, and Kate asks him, do you notice anything different? I'm like, you're pregnant? Are you pregnant? No, she's not pregnant. <laughs> that, is, that would not be the way to tell your husband that you're pregnant. Like, hey, notice anything different? And Edward's like, oh, gee, I hate questions like that. It's like, basically, he's walking into a trap. If he says the wrong thing, she'll be angry. So he takes a shot in the dark. You're like, you got your hair cut. She's like, no. He's like, you shaved your beard. I'm like, what? 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 Edward. Of course, he grins after that. 
She says she's not nervous about Evelyn coming to visit. Well, she hasn't gotten here yet, so let's just wait and hold off on the I'm cool as a cucumber routine. And he's like, hey, good for you, as he kisses her. And she, <laughs> using this mind tactic of being calm, cool, and collected, the three C's, she hasn't even gotten in the door, and it's just, you know that all of that calm, cool, collectedness is going to go out the window as soon as Evelyn arrives, because that's how Evelyn is. Just a, a slight, like, eyebrow raise is enough to get Kate, like, going Evelyn is the type of person that brings that out. She could rile up anybody. The calmest person. And Kate owes it all to Haji Mahaji. Oh, Kate's been doing yoga. Good for her. She's finding her center. I don't do yoga, so I assume that's one of the things. Finding, you know, your center, being at peace, utterly and totally and completely relaxed. I'm just guessing. And Edward calls Kate out on this. He's like, do you really think Evelyn isn't going to be able to get to you? You're going to remain calm by doing as he, he sits on the couch, crosses his ankles, and crosses his arms over his chest. When the ohm, ohm, like, stop, stop. Edward, you don't do, I don't do yoga either, but he doesn't either, so dude, shut your fly hole. I've said it before since season five started. Joel Higgins, you need to get a little trim. You're getting a little, you're, you're getting, um... The mullet that Rick just recently uh, decided to cut off. So yeah, she says through meditating, she's been able to control her emotions and be completely in control. Well, let's... Evelyn's going to walk through that door and I think all... Like I said, all that's going to go out the window. We all know... Guys, have you been listening to the podcast? If you've seen Silver Spoons, you're familiar with Evelyn. She... Like I said, she's the type that brings it out. She brings it out. She could bring that out in the calmest person in the world. And there's the doorbell. Oh my god. Kate is off that couch. She's here. She's here. Like, okay, sweetie, calm. calm. Remember, meditation. Calm, cool, collected. The three C's. Are you going to be home for dinner? Oh, Marie, we don't know yet. Rick's mom is dropping by on her way from the airport. And we might all eat out. Or maybe we'll eat in. Or maybe we'll... Like I figured, I'll be the last to know. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Notice anything different? Oh, gee, I hate questions like that. <laughs> you got your hair cut. No. <gasps> you shaved off your beard. <laughs> Look at me, Edward. I am not nervous about your ex-wife's visit. Hey, good for you. Yeah. I made up my mind. I'm going to remain calm, cool, and collected. And I owe it all to Haji Rahaji. Haji Rahaji? No, Haji's my yoga instructor. I know that. Now, you really think you're going to keep Evelyn from upsetting you simply by closing your eyes and going, I'm... Absolutely. Since I started meditating, I am able to control my emotions, no matter how stressful the situation. She's here. She's here. 
No. I'll be all I right. Can see through. Let her in. <clears throat> Evelyn. Katie. <laughs> yeah, like your arms up. Let me put my fur coat on you. Edward. Evelyn. <laughs> Let me hang this up for you. <laughs> so, Evelyn, what brings you to town? I'm here on business. Business? Buying out Bloomingdale? Oh, Edward, stop that. Women like to buy pretty clothes. Not all of us. Oh, burn, girl! Excuse me, I'll let Rick know that you're here. <laughs> Evelyn, you are unbelievable. Yeah, I know. So for us. Um... Um, oh, she's sitting on the floor. I'm gonna kill her. <laughs> Don't you want to know why I'm in New York? I have a feeling you're about to tell me. I'm here because I wrote a book. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, wrote seriously. I am serious. You wrote a book. Yeah, the only thing I ever saw you write was a check. <laughs> There's that Stratton wit again. <laughs> so, what is this masterpiece about? The history of the American Express card? <laughs> no. It's what the critics call a torrid romantic novel. Really? It's about a woman like me who's sensitive, kind, and caring. Fiction, <laughs> huh? Yeah, really. Part of it. But I drew a lot from personal experience. Oh. You see, it's the story of a beautiful young socialite and her stormy relationship with the irresponsible son of a rich industrialist. <laughs> yeah, she like wrote about me? Yeah. A lot like you. <laughs> you did say this was fiction. Did I? What is it, a memoir? He wrote a so memoir. So you're in town seeking potential publishers, knocking on doors, seeing if anybody will read this published. thing, huh? The book's coming out in two days. Two days? Like in the day after tomorrow? That's right. I'm just here to do a little book signing. Oh. Let me check this uh, out. Evelyn, this uh, character <laughs> in the book, the irresponsible son of a rich industrialist what happens to him oh he gets just what he deserves i hate books like that <laughs> hey you're here richard i'm gonna go see how kate's doing hi mr s <laughs> it's great to see you mom it's great to see you too oh mom this is brad langford hello brad hi hey uh would you like to wear one of my campaign buttons no Another broad for Brad. What? <laughs> Brad. Yeah? Go home. Yeah, really. <laughs> Honey, don't you see? So, Edward uses the remote door opener. Door pops open. Evelyn's there. She's got her fur coat on her arm because she's fine with killing animals for fashion. Well, she doesn't kill them. She just buys... Whatever. Anyway, I love how Kate goes to her with her arm extended and Evelyn just walks past Kate and like, oh, since your arm's out here, let me rest your coat on it. 
or rest my coat on it. There you go. Doesn't even stop. Just here you go. Your arms out. Take my coat, please. And she's always still calling her Katie instead of Kate. I'm surprised that Kate didn't correct her. Because in the past when we've seen Evelyn and she's called Kate, Katie, Kate will immediately correct her. Kate. And Evelyn goes over to Edward, takes his hand, it says Edward, and he says, Evelyn. It's like, ugh. And they do a, like, uh... Like an air kiss. They're not even, you know, like, their faces, they're facing away from each other. Like, that's, that's their greeting. Like, this is about as civil as they can get without being hostile. I mean, you know if they didn't have Rick, they would have had nothing to do with each other. I love how we cut to Kate and she's like, oh, let me hang this up for you. And she goes over to the coat rack and just plops the fur coat on the floor. Edward asks Evelyn what brings her to town, and she's like, oh, I'm here on business. And he says, oh, so you're buying out Bloomingdale's. And she's like, no. And Kate tells Edward, like, Edward, stop that. Women like to buy pretty clothes. Here we get a snide comment from Evelyn. She (laughs) smiles, kind of turning her head back at Kate, like, not all of us. And that's it for Kate. She's like, kitchen. <laughs> She's got to meditate. Emergency meditate. And the audience just go, ooh. <laughs> Kate says, excuse me, I'll let Rick know that you're here. And she leaves, you know, behind the couch. And she's, like, putting her hand up by her face. Like, and Edward tells Evelyn, like, Evelyn, you are unbelievable. Of course, Evelyn takes this as praise. Like, oh, I know. We cut to the kitchen. Kate's got her shoes off. She's got her legs crisscrossed applesauce. She's sitting on, I'm guessing it's a towel. Who knows where her yoga mat is. And she's got her, the back of her hands resting on her knees. And she's going, home, home. Is really trying to control her anger, like, um, um, like, she's, he says, I'm gonna kill her. (laughs) This is gonna get ugly before it's over. I get a feeling there's gonna be some hair pulling and screaming. So Evelyn sits on the the arm of the couch and says, don't ask Edward, don't you want to know why I'm in New York? And he, I guess he's like looking at his mail because he says, well, I have a feeling you're gonna tell me. And she says she wrote a book. Edward laughs his butt off like it's the funny thing. He can't even fathom like her. This lady that I married and divorced in seven days and unbeknownst to me had a child with wrote a book. And he's like, I've never known you to write anything but a check. What could you possibly fill the book with? And she mentions how... The way she talks about it, she's saying like a a young heiress or no, a young socialite and her relationship with a irresponsible businessman's son. And Edward says, oh, a work of fiction? And she, of course, modeled the socialite after herself. And it's just like, it sounds to me Like, she wrote a memoir. Did she change the names? Because I'm thinking 
Well, more than likely, because he's like, oh, are you looking for a publisher? And she's like, oh, well, no, it's been published. The book's going to be out in two days. I'm here for a signing. And he's like, the, the book is already published? I want to hear more about this book. I bet there are some steamy, juicy scenes in there. I love how he laughs, laughs his face. Just like, it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. And she says, I wrote a book. That's why I'm here. And he laughs like she just said, I got a job at McDonald's or something. That doesn't make the least likely thing that Evelyn would ever do. He keeps making jokes about the book. Like, what's this book about? The history of the American Express card? And she says, the book is what the critics say, a torrid romantic novel. So it's like a smut novel. It's like Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like a harlequin romance with like a big buff dude on the front with his shirt ripped open and the lady with her boobies rolled, pushed up. Something like that. I bet. We get a cover that has a guy on the cover of it that is bears a striking resemblance to Edward. Did she even change his did she change any of the names? She's she tells him it's about a, a woman like me who's sensitive and kind and caring. And Edward just looks at her like, oh, so it's fiction. Because <laughs> you are none of those things, Evelyn. Oh, she call says it's about the stormy relationship between a young socialite and a irresponsible son of a industrialist. And he's still laughing and then it comes to realization like, dude, she's talking about you. Exactly you. She, he's like, like me? And she's like, a lot like you. And I'm just thinking, couldn't he sue her? In a way, like if that character bears any and all remote resemblance to him in any way, isn't that like a, I don't know, defamation of character? Well, maybe not that, but it's just... He didn't ask... She didn't ask his permission to write about him in a book. It sounds more like... And we'll most likely learn about this book. And I want I want the deets, Ev. Give me the deets. I want, I want deets. I want chapter outlines. I want... Yeah. He's even like, you did say this was fiction. And she's acting all surprised. Like, oh, did I? I'm like, so you wrote a memoir. What? Granted, it's New York. Anybody who's anybody is going to like, ooh, a socialite and an irresponsible son of an industrialist? I gotta read that. Apparently, Edward thinks the way that you get a book published is knocking on doors, getting people to read it. And she's like, no, the book's been printed. It's, like, already out. It, come, it comes out in two days. That's why I'm here for a book signing. The publishers must have thought this has got to be the hottest thing to hit shelves since Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know. So Edward kind of is asking for a little spoiler here from Evelyn. Like, this uh, guy that's like me, this irresponsible son of an, an industrialist, uh, what happens to him in the book? And Evelyn says, well, he gets exactly what he deserves. 
what do you think this man did to you? You guys both divorced each other. It's not like, unless he pretty much had her sign a prenup, which I would say that that would be Grandfather Stratton, like, you need to have her sign a prenup so she gets, like, next to nothing. But then again, she kept the fact that they had a son from him for 12 dang years. That, I think, is enough for him to go to court and say, what? Because she never asked him for child support because she clearly comes from money as well. So if there's anyone out there saying Rick Stratton is a spoiled brat early on, Evelyn's the influence on that. That's not Edward. Edward had nothing to do with the first 12 years of Rick's life because he didn't know he existed, and that's not on him. She had no contact with him whatsoever over 12 years. <laughs> I love Edward. He says, oh, I hate books like that. She is practically sitting in his lap. She is, there is no space between the two of them. I think some small inkling, I think she is still in love with him. Or she just loves to toy with him. So Rick and Brad come in. It's like, hey, mom, you're here. And she stands up. She's like, Richard. She's like, other than Dexter, they are the only ones, well, and Grandfather Stratton, that call Rick Richard. And Rick, well... Edward's like, you know, I'm going to go check on my wife and see that she hasn't imploded. Um, <laughs> I don't hear any, uh, any plates breaking, so. <laughs> Rick introduces Brad to his mother. I'm like, oh, this is going to go over well. And he's like, hey, would you wear one of my campaign buttons? And he says, it said broads for Brad or something like that. And it's just like, ugh. I'm with Rick. He's like, hey, Brad. Go home. Like, dude, you gotta work on your campaign speech. Or work on something. You're, he's not winning this election. I can definitely see Evelyn telling Rick to run against Brad. Brad says, hey, Mr. S. <laughs> and Edward just, like, throws his hand up as he's walking into the kitchen. Oh, as Evelyn reads it, she reads, another broad for Brad. I love how she after she reads it, she kind of shudders like, <laughs> like Rick, we gotta, we gotta find you new, new friends, baby. We gotta find you new friends, cause <laughs> yeah. All right, let's head into the kitchen and see how Edward and Kate are doing. How would you want to bet eventually Evelyn's gonna go in there? Like, oh, am I interrupting something? Cause that seems like an Evelyn thing to do. Hey, don't you see? The book is about Evelyn and me Ew. and our glorious six-day marriage. Really? Edward, I think you're letting your imagination run wild. Not as wild as Evelyn's. She can say things about me, about my personal habits, Ew. my little quirks. What? Our honeymoon. Oh! <laughs> what about your honeymoon? Nothing. Yeah, really? What do you do? I gotta get a look at that book. Dad! Dad, come in here! I'm reading her book. It's a wow, Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad, look at this. Mom oh, a book. God, he's reading she's got a picture on the back and everything. There's a naked woman. That's really terrific, son. On the front. <laughs> yeah, toss that over here a minute, huh? I want to sit. Oh, well, come on. Ed, you wouldn't want to take my only copy. Of her only not. copy. But uh, you, you will let me read it, won't you? Of 
course. Just as soon as it's in the stores. Oh! Well, Dad, don't feel too bad. Mom says I can't read it till I'm 21. <laughs> well, I can imagine what's in there. the time this has been fun but i must be off to my hotel you're not leaving yet are you god you just got here i mean hey rick's been looking forward to this visit come on rather than disappoint him why why, why don't you stay here tonight no evelyn wants to visit with rick right well i suppose i could stay for one night wonderful Uh, terrific i'll get your luggage and take it upstairs thanks sweetheart yeah i'll take your book your your bag No, Edward, you've done more than enough for me already. Oh, my God. So he tells Kate that the book is about Evelyn and him and their six-day marriage. Yeah, didn't they go on a cruise or something? And Kate is just like, you know, I think you're letting your imagination run wild. And Edward says, hey, not as wild as Evelyn's. Oh my gosh, can you imagine the tales that she would spin from those six days on that boat during their honeymoon? So he's worried she'll say stuff about, you know, in that book. (coughs) You know, his his personal habits, his quirks. Because I'm sure they never left the bedroom on that ship over six days so they had their fun it's like you know we don't know each other that well let's just get divorced and in that six days boom they created a kid and that's the thing i mean clearly this has got to be all about what happened in the bedroom on their honeymoon right no one wants their personal private page like put into a book that's what happens behind closed doors between you and, you know, your partner is between the two of you. Not for the world to gawk at and make fun of. That's why I never get, un- I never understood why people are having sex trips. Not the, I don't know. I mean, that used to, it seems like that was such a big thing. And I'm like, why? I mean, clearly, yeah, they want to do it for the money, but... Clearly, that's what Evelyn wants. She wants exposure from this book. Like, oh, do I got to... St- I mean, and think about it. Edward is a pretty, you know, well-known guy in New York. He's a, not only the son of a industrialist, Edward Stratton II, but he also is the owner of Eddie Toys. People read that book. She better have changed his name and her name. Because that would not bode well for... mm. I think it's more of him just being embarrassed about, you know, whatever they did together. And, you know, maybe he's got a... Finish. I don't know. I I, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he makes weird noise. I don't know. You know, I don't even want to... Never mind. (laughs) What's uh, that? So... Oh, and she's like, oh, what about your honeymoon? And he's like, nothing. You think that... Kate would be like, well, I'm aware of, like, your personal habits and your quirks, you know. I mean, they are married. They are intimate together. So, unless he only had those similar quirks with Evelyn because he was in his 20s and now he's in his 40s. Who knows? I don't know. He wants to definitely look at that book. And then we hear Rick saying, hey, Dad, come here. Check out this. And he's holding the book, which... 
I gotta go. I gotta look more at that cover. It's called The Passion Parade, and it's got what in the world? Who, who authorized? We got a lady who's naked on her stomach with her head. Her you can't see her face. You know she got long hair. And she's like, her face is being like pushed into pill, not by any unseen force, of course. Wait, what is that? Water? Is that not a bad? What is that? I thought this, oh, those could be silk sheets. What in the, this is disgusting. I, oh. It says by Evelyn Stratton, oh my. You should have used a pen name, something. You got the name Stratton right there. Oh, they're like, hey, are you relating to that Stratton who wrote the Passion Parade? Parade? Oh, God. <laughs> Is this insight into the quirks and personal habits of Edward Stratton? I don't know. Wow, she got a f full, the, the back of the book has got her picture on the front of it like and it turns out I guess that is her only copy like she probably got like an author's copy but usually you know, I follow authors on uh, Instagram and stuff and when they get copies of their own books it's like a box with a bunch of them in it and it's like oh that's really terrific so because Rick's sitting on the arm of the couch with one leg crossed over the other and it's like hey toss that over here son and Rick tosses it and of course Evelyn's sitting right there in the middle and she just grabs it, like, <laughs> like, oh, I can't let you read this book. Even Rick's like, Dad, she won't let me read it until I'm 21. What is in there? Is this one of those, this is like a Fifty Shades of Grey type book. NC-17. X rated. Oh my gosh. You know people back then, even, they would be eating up that smut. They would be eating it up. <laughs> She looks at him like, oh, you wouldn't want to take my only copy. I wonder if Kate's going to read that. I wonder if she's going to get her hands on a copy. Like, Edward, oh my gosh, we don't even do this stuff. <laughs> so she says, you're not going to try to take my only copy, are you? And he sits down next to her. He's like, no, of course not. But I mean, you will let me read it, won't you? She's like, oh, sure. I mean, once it's in the store, you can get a copy of it. She puts it in her locked briefcase. Is that a briefcase or, a, I don't know, suitcase? And Rick makes a joke like, hey, Dad, don't feel too bad. Mom says I can't read it till I'm 21. If it's about your mom and your dad and their honeymoon, you really want to be reading about their things? I wouldn't. So Evelyn dashes out of there. Well, she tries to anyway. Like, oh, look at the time. I gotta go get my hotel room. Go to my hotel. And Edward is like, wow, you had such a long journey. Why don't you stay the night? You know, don't you want to spend time with Rick? And her, her answer, well, I guess I could do that. It's like, you guess? He's your son. You flew into the same dang city that he lives in. You're not going to spend time with him? Who does this? Nobody. That's who.
Love, he's like, hey, you're not leaving yet, are you? I mean, uh, you just got here. Rick's been looking forward to this visit. It's like he's like trying to pull Rick in on this. And he says, hey, ins- instead of disappointing your son, why don't you stay here tonight? And Kate is just like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Edward, just he wants to get his hands on that dang book. Just wait a couple days. It'll be in the store. I was like, well, Evelyn wants to hang out with Rick, don't you? And she said, well, I suppose I could stay for one night. Kate is like, oh, wonderful. Ugh. So it's like, terrific, I'll get your luggage and take it upstairs. And Edward goes right for that briefcase. Like, oh, and I'll take, like, I can get my own, thank you. He says, oh, I'll take your book, I mean your bag. And she's like, no, I can take care of it myself, thank you. <laughs> she says, because he goes to grab it, and she's like, oh, no, Edward, you've done more than enough for me already. As in, yeah, her seven-day marriage with Honeymoon with him is the selling point of that Fifty Shades of Grey smut that she's got in her briefcase. That's that's her money maker right there. Right, Quinny? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quinn's in the hallway just looking at me like, seriously, you expect me to answer that? It looks like it's the next morning and Rick is getting, he's brown bagging it for lunch. He's got his orange juice out and he's got his coat on the uh, the kitchen counter under the cupboards. Edward comes down and it looks like he has not slept at all. Because he, he comes down the stairs into the kitchen and he is just yawning. Hey, Dad. Good morning, Kate. What? <laughs> he is really tired. Dad, are you okay? You look like you didn't sleep at all last Call night. Kate. Oh, I had a few things on my mind. Yeah? <clears throat> what sort of things? I'll tell you when you're 21. <laughs> Aren't you late for school? Yeah, I've got to go. I have to write Brad's speech. You know, Dad, it's not easy keeping all the words down to one syllable. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, you too. So Edward is so tired that he doesn't even realize Rick's talking to him. He's like, oh, morning, Kate. And Rick just looks up like, what? Rick's got to get to school because he's got to write Brad's speech. And he's trying to keep it down to, like one-syllable words. Because <laughs> Brad is not that bright. So Rick heads to school, and now Kate comes down. Edward, you tossed and turned all night long. Well, you wouldn't sleep either if somebody wrote a book about you. Aren't you overreacting? I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Time is running out. Oh, listen to yourself. You're letting Evelyn get to you. You've got to know how to handle her. Oh, and how do you do that? Good morning. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Good morning, Edward. Did you sleep well? Like a baby. Safe and sound. Good. Well, I'm off to meet my publishers. They're trying to get me on a talk show. Oh, God. Talk about the book? Yes. In detail. So, how do I look? Ah. Great. (laughs) That that, that outfit makes you look very mature. Mature? I'll be right back. (laughs) Oh, you are not going to get into a briefcase, guy. I forgot my glasses. 
suitcase. <laughs> I'm sure they're not. I'll see you at work. Okay, honey, I, I got a few things to do here first. Yeah, right. <laughs> How did, why did you leave that down there? He knows he's going to grab it. Edward, I looked in the mirror. I look fat. Oh, sorry, my mistake. <laughs> Uh-oh, I got to run. <laughs> yeah. Edward, I hope all my readers are as anxious as you are. So Evelyn comes, well, before Evelyn comes down, <laughs> she's just like, you tossed and turned all night, you didn't get any sleep? And, he, and she's like, you just gotta know how to handle Evelyn. And of course, boom, here comes Evelyn, she's like, hi, and Kate's like, bye, I'm off to work. <laughs> she's like, I'm out of here. Turns out, Evelyn's talking to her publishers about getting on a talk show. That must be- Oh! Oh, I see it. I think, uh, Edward's gonna have some weird nightmare- Okay, that's right, I get it, because of that quote makes sense now. But anyway, Evelyn comes down, she's wearing, like, this all ba uh, black, uh, dress top, and it's got, like, black leather, like, shoulder, um- not shoulder pads, but, like, uh, shoulder, it's, like, black leather that covers, like, the shoulder part. And she's like, how do I look? Because I'm going to meet with my publishers and they're going to see about getting me on a talk show. And Edward's just like, a talk show? And then he looks at her and he's like, oh, you look very mature. And she's like, clearly that's not the look that she's going for. I mean, she wrote a smut novel, so she wants her dress going to, I don't know. Kinda naughty looking, and <laughs> she's like, I'll be right back. Of course, she leaves her briefcase down there with the book. Edward tries to get into the briefcase, and every time he does, he's interrupted. Kate comes in, she forgot her gloves because apparently it's winter time. And <laughs> he tries again, and Evelyn comes down, and he ends up, when he stands up, he's got his tie stuck in her briefcase oh my gosh let's see how this nightmare sequence goes with marie playing oprah apparently he's so exhausted he must have went to work came home and went straight to sleep on the couch he didn't even make it to the bedroom he's like i'm sleeping on the couch because i gotta i'm too wound up and tired well before that though evan was like oh i hope my readers are as anxious about my book as you are Take a nap. Oh. In the middle of the day, I guess it pays to be the boss. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't getting no sleep, guy. Oh. Um, now what? Yeah, hello. No, Evelyn's not here. Okay, I'll take a message. Mm hmm. Tell her she's definitely booked on the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> yes, I will give her the message. 
Oprah Winfrey. Now the whole country's going to think I'm a jerk. So, okay, he did not finish work. He actually came home from work because he's so zonked out. He was tossing and turning all night. Didn't get any sleep. Clearly can't focus on his work. He's too preoccupied with this dang book that he wants to read. And he's on the couch and here comes Murmury just singing her heart out. (laughs) And he's like, she's like, what are you doing home? He's like, oh, I came home to take a nap. And she's like, it's the middle of the day. He's like, yeah, I'm aware of that. So she leaves, he goes to lay back down, and the phone rings. He's like, eh, what? No, Evelyn's not here. Yes, I'll take a message. And she's booked on the, and he's like, Oprah Winfrey show! And of course he falls back asleep, and we're gonna get into this nightmare, nightmare dream sequence. Because it says, on IMDb it says Marie slash Oprah Winfrey. Because, I guess, Oprah Winfrey didn't want to play herself. Yes, it's all true. Isn't that awful? Isn't that just pitiful? (laughs) I want to thank you for letting me tell my sad story to your millions and millions of viewers. Uh Now this ex-husband of yours, is he still at large? Oh yes, he's the chairman of the board of Eddie Toys. I don't think anybody's going to buy any of Eddie Toys anymore, are you, audience? Now, tell us some more about this turkey. (laughs) Well, he's an extremely private person who lives at 123 Mockingbird Lane, Shallow Springs, Long Island. Oh, God. And he hates getting phone calls at 555-9898. Oh, my God. That's area code 516-555-9898. Anybody going to forget that number? (laughs) And all these terrible, nasty, horrible things happened to you in just six days. That's right. The six worst days of my whole life. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) And the Knights. Well, you read the book, so you know about the Knights. How would everybody here feel about taking a live look at this despicable creature, Edward Stratton? (laughs) It took a little sweet talking, but we got him here. Oh, no. All right, throw that scum out here. I suppose you'd like to tell your side of the story. As a matter of fact... Shut up! (laughs) Now sit down. Not there! Over there! (laughs) Let's have another look at that book. Edward Dearest. You want to hear that passage again about how they ran him out of town? Yeah! Oh, no. No, 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 no. No! No, please, no! No, 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 Dang, dude! You've been dreaming! Dex! Oh, she was awful. Who was awful? Oprah Winfrey. 
You dream about Oprah Winfrey? So do I. What does she wear in your dream? It wasn't that kind of dream. It wasn't even Oprah. It was Marie. You dream about Marie? So do I. It was crazy, Dex. Know, it was all man. about Evelyn's book. You mean this book? Yes, How did you get a copy? From a client of mine who knows the publisher. Have you read this? Have I? Twice. Oh, and God. you know, there's a character in here that bears an amazing resemblance to you. Okay, oh, so great. It's a pack of lies, Dex. There's not a shred of truth in that book. You mean you're not uh, the greatest lover in the world? Dang! Let me see that. I underline the good parts. Oh, well, yeah, you mean dog-eared the good parts. Have you know, Evelyn's not a bad writer. <laughs> he stared at her with eyes that spelled danger. Gotcha, I never knew Evelyn was so perceptive. <laughs> Wait until you see page 49. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> what? All right, let's go into this dream sequence because this is some cray cray wild stuff. I love how in the dream Evelyn is painted like he's painted like the victim here. The way that she just portrays Edward just as this horrible, horrible man that did what she said. The six most worst days of my life. And of course, you know, Maria's Oprah asked, like, well, about, and, and the nights? And Evelyn says, oh, well, you, you read about the nights. Like, oh, did we ever? And Evelyn gives one, two, three, Mockingbird, Mockingbird Lane, Shallow Springs, New York. So basically gives out his address, like, oh, and and the phone number is five five five, which is on any TV show it's always gonna be five 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 and the oh and the area code is like five one six. So it's like giving out his number, giving out his address so people can either call him up or see him in person. Yeah, as we go more into it, she Evelyn is like almost kind of she's shoulders shaking, just voice quivering, like oh yes, it's all true. And Marie as Oprah puts a hand on Evelyn's shoulders, like oh that is just awful, isn't that just horrible? And Evelyn says she wants to thank Oprah for letting her tell her sad story for the millions and mu millions of viewers as she turns to the camera. And she's like letting Edward know, like, yeah, everybody is watching. Every single household in America is tuned to this episode of Oprah. And Maria's Oprah's like, no, this ex-husband of yours, tell me, is he still at large? He's talking like he's a criminal. And Evelyn says, yes, he's the chairman of the board at Eddie Toys. Like, great, so now they know where he works. She's basically trying to run his name through the mud. Emery says, I don't think anybody's going to be buying any more Eddie's toys after this. Are they, audience? And the audience like, no. <laughs> she 
She's like, tell us some more about this turkey. Oh, God. She's like, oh, he's a very extremely private person who lives at 123 Mockingbird Lane. Shallow Springs, Long Island. Okay, not Shallow Springs, New York. Gotcha. Oh, my gosh. I must live nearby to the Seavers. Because the Seavers, well, it's funny, Mockingbird Lane, Robin Hood Lane. <laughs> the Seavers live on Robin Hood Lane. And she says, oh, he hates getting phone calls at 555-9898. And she turns to you, Evan Lynn turns to the audience and says, oh, the area code is 516. <laughs> and the phone number appears on the screen. Like, she's giving, like, the viewers, like, everybody in the audience, like, here's where he works, here's where he lives. Here's his home phone number. I love Marie. Anybody gonna forget that number? And the audience says, no. Oh my god. And Marie is kind of goading Evelyn for some more deets here. So, so all these terrible, horrible things that happened to you, it happened in six days. And Evelyn says, yes, the six most horrible days of my life. Worst days of my whole life. And Marie's like, and the nights, and <laughs> she asks, and Evelyn's like, oh, well, you read the book. You know about the nights. Marie turns to the audience and says, how would the audience, how would you like to take a look at this despicable, horrible creature, Edward Stratton? I'm like, all right, bring him out. And Edward is just so disoriented. He's like, he doesn't even know where he is. Like, what? What? Where am I? <laughs> the audience is all for it. Like, yeah. I love how Marie stands up. She says, it took a little bit of sweet talk and we got him here. Oh, God. You know, before they revealed him as just being Edward, I thought it was like he's going to be like some grisly jerk of a man or something in a wife beater. Well, she goes over to the edge of the set and says, all right, throw that scum out here. And you see a stagehand or whoever behind the scenes worker who's got Edward like a vice grip on his arm as he's like pushing him out onto the stage. So Edward goes to sit in Marie's seat. No, you sit over there. Like you sit next to your ex-wife. Yeah, but before that, she says, so, Mr. Stratton, I believe you want to tell your side of the story. He's like, oh, as a matter of fact, she's like, shut up. Like, oh, God. <gasps> like, now sit down. And he goes to sit in her seat. And she says, not there. Over there. So she says, let's have another look at that book. She pulls out and it says, Edward Dearest. And we see what looks like a headshot photo of Joel Higgins on the front. And the book is literally the size of a coffee table book. It is huge. So Marie flips open the book and says to the, ask the audience, do you want to hear that passage again about how they ran him out of town? And the audience is like, yeah! And Edward's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't read it. And then we see that there's a hand grabbing Edward because he comes out of the dream. And he says that he was dreaming about Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and, but it only, it well, Dexter's like, oh, you dream about Oprah Winfrey, too? What was she wearing in your dream? And Edward tells, it wasn't that kind of dream. Actually, Oprah wasn't even Oprah. Oprah was Marie. And Dexter says, oh, you dream of Marie, too? Because <laughs> he clearly does that. So it turns out, 
Dexter's got an early copy of the book because he knows someone who's a friend of the publisher or someone who works on the publishing team that was able to get him an early release copy. You know, I feel we haven't seen Dexter since what? The Hey Mrs. Robinson episode? And that was episode 13. And this is episode 16. So it's been about three episodes. So... Edward explains to Dexter, like, this dream was all about Evelyn's book. And he pulls, Dexter's like, oh, this, you mean this book? As he pulls it out of its briefcase. And Edward's like, how did you get a copy? He rips it out of Dexter's hand so fast. He's like, yes, this book. Apparently Dexter's read it twice. Whoa. Must have been that good. Okay, a client of Dexter's knows the publisher. All right, that makes sense. And Dexter takes the, books back, the book back and says, you know, there's a character in here that bears a striking resemblance to you. So, okay, so she didn't, she didn't use Edward's name, but the character in the book is very much drawn from Edward. Edward is so angry. He's like, it's a pack of lies, Dex. There's not a shred of truth in that book. Like, dude, you haven't even read it yet. And Dexter clearly has uh, marked his favorite pages as he reads, oh, so you're not the greatest lover in the world? And Edward's like, what? Let me see that. I love the audience's reaction as Edward, like, just turns his head to look at Dexter surprised. They're like, Oh, ho, 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 ho. he is like his face is like lighting up. Like, okay, this isn't all bad. Oh, Dexter says that he underlined the good parts. So that's like the people that were reading Fifty Shades of Grey who dog-eared the hottest parts of the book. Now, I have not read Fifty Shades of Grey. Mind you, keep in keep in mind, I said I did not read. The book, like, cover to cover. Dog ears and pages? Yes. So Edward stands up as he's reading the page, and he's like, wow, he's surprised. You know, Evelyn, Evelyn's not a bad writer. And he reads a quote from the book, as it says, he looked at her with eyes that spelled danger. And both Edward and Dex look with, like, Edward's trying to... I don't know, looks smoldering or something? I don't know. Mind you, Evelyn is writing Edward as she probably remembers how he was back when they got married. So back in his 20s. He's not like that anymore. And Edward looks back down in the book and he's getting ready to flip the page. He's like, gosh, I never knew Evelyn was so... so perceptive. Page 49. This will be interesting. The good! Both of them are like... Schoolboys looking at a Playboy magazine. Like, whoa. Like, okay, boys, calm down. It's just a book. Which Edward is so surprised. But I guess he says that, you know, Evelyn being so perceptive and just like all these details and stuff that she, I think she embellished. I'm pretty sure she probably embellished a little bit. I gotta wonder, do you think Kate's gonna read the book? I mean, it's about her husband, her current husband, when he was someone else's husband. And this is during his honeymoon. Is it all about the six days on the honeymoon? It sounds like it. Hey, Brad. How'd the election go? Not too good. 
Look, Brad, you'll get over it. Everybody yes, loses now and then. Loses. I won. What? You won. How did he win? Well, then why so miserable? <coughs> Do you know that the student council has to meet after school every day? Well, I, I just wanted to come by and say thanks a lot for destroying my whole life. Oh, give me a break. You dingus. Oh, hi, Brad. How did the election go? I'd stay and tell you, but I'm late for a meeting. <laughs> okay. Oh, where's your father? <clears throat> I have no idea. Last time I saw him, he was trying to take a nap on the couch. Oh, how'd he look? Terrible. He looked worse than he did last month when he had the flu. Well, the flu is easy to get rid of. It's going to be a lot harder to get rid of. Hello. Oh. How did the publishers go? Wonderful. They're doubling the printing. And talking about a movie. Oh, oh no. Whoa. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Rick, don't you have some homework to do? Kate, if you want to talk to my mom alone, just ask me to go upstairs. All right. Will you please go upstairs? <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I had homework to do anyway. <laughs> You're having quite a day, Evelyn. Yes. I can hardly wait to see the expression on Edward's face. You're really enjoying yourself, aren't you? You're making Edward's life miserable. Really? <laughs> well, thanks to you, he can't eat, he can't sleep, and he can't... Well, never mind. And, and all because of what he thinks you said about him in that book of yours. Well, the book is not about him. It's not? Look, the character happens to be a fantastic, romantic, continental lover. Oh. So it couldn't possibly be Edward. <laughs> Evelyn, fun is fun, but you've got to tell Edward that the book is not about him. Kate, I've got to pack. Evelyn? Oh, all right. I promise I will tell him before I go. Thank you. I'm really concerned about how worried and depressed he is. Oh my god. Someone went shopping for clothes. Ma chérie. Edward? the book. I glanced at it. Forget the book. Look at these. Tickets. To a Broadway show this uh, weekend, oh. after which we check into the plaza, maybe have a candlelit dinner. Oh. Maybe some romantic music. Oh. Come to think of it, forget the show. Yeah. Plus, of course, you have other plans. Oh, well, if I did, I'd change them. I hate to break this up, oh, but I must be off to my hotel. <sighs> Edward's taking me to the Plaza Hotel this weekend. Good. I'll be at the Waldorf. <laughs> I'll be in traction. Oh, God, poor kid. By the way, there's something I must make clear to you, Edward. No, there is nothing that you have to make clear. What do you want to make clear? Nothing. But don't you want me to know? Ah, uh, Edward, sweetheart. Uh, why don't you help Rick take Evelyn's bags out of the car? No problem. Oh. Baby. <laughs> oh, 
Would you mind explaining why you stopped me from telling the truth to Edward? Well, it's very simple, Evelyn. Uh, Edward got a copy of the book, and he was so thrilled to think that he was the hero, while well, I couldn't hurt his feelings. And? And I'm dying to spend a romantic weekend at the Plaza Hotel. Why, Kate, that's the most sly, devious, underhanded thing I've ever heard. There's hope for you yet. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump back to the doorbell ringing. Rick coming down the stairs. It's Brad. He looks dejected. Looks like he's lost the election or <laughs> lost the uh, candidate debate, whatever. He won. He won. He won over a 4.0 basketball star. How? He doesn't... Well, wait, there is that hockey that he said he was... But, uh, just look at... He looks... I don't know. But, apparently, he must not have read the guidelines as to what a student council president's duties are. Apparently, they meet every single day after school. He's like, thanks, Rick, for ruining my life. And, and Rick can't even... Like, you won? Seriously? And Kate comes back, and she's like, oh, Brad, how was the election? And he's like, well, I tell you, but I have to get to a meeting. So Kate asks Rick, like, hey, have you seen your dad? And Rick says, well, I mean, last time I saw him, he was trying to take a nap on the couch. And she asks, well, how did he look? And it's like, well, he looked pretty miserable. He looked worse than he did when he had the flu. So I'd like to have to throw him back when he had the flu. And she said that, uh, she tells him, well, I mean, you can get over the flu. She says, yeah, the flu is easy to get rid of. It's going to be a lot harder to get rid of. And then here comes Evelyn coming through the door. So Rick asks Evelyn, like, how did it go with the publishers? And she says, it went great. They're doubling the printing. There's even talk of a movie. I'm like, a movie? Wow. Wow. And Kate's like, oh, no. So Kate asks Rick, don't you have some homework to do? And he looks at her like, Kate, if you just want to talk to my mom alone, just tell me to go upstairs. She's like, well, can you go upstairs? And he says, yeah, I guess. I mean, I got some homework I could be working on. <laughs> so Kate says, wow, Evelyn, you're having quite a day. And Evelyn is just reveling at this, which why shouldn't she? I mean, she wrote a book. Apparently, it's probably close to being a bestseller. Second printing already and talks of a movie. She says, I can't wait to, wait to see the expression on Edward's face. And Kate sits on the arm of the couch and she says, you're really enjoying this, aren't you? Do you realize you're making Edward's life miserable? And Evelyn just loves that. Like, oh, really? And Kate says, well, thanks to you, he can't eat, he can't sleep, and he can't, well, well, never mind. Yeah, he can't do <laughs> behind closed doors. Well, he's distracted by this dang book. And Kate says, it's all because of what he thinks you said about him in that book of yours. And Evelyn says, the book is not about him. Which is a surprise to Kate. Like, it's not? Yeah, this is total shock. Like, it's not? Really? It's a shock to Kate. So, Evelyn says that the character is a... A romantic, fantastic, continental lover. And Edward is none of those things. 
So is she talking about her current flame? Well, why the heck did she say it was about like the six days that they were on their honeymoon? Maybe she didn't know. That was in the dream sequence. So Kate tells Evelyn, you'll fun is fun, but you've got to tell Edward the character is not him. That the book has nothing to do with him. So Evelyn <laughs> says, Kate, I've got a pack. And Kate will not let Evelyn pack. She's like, Evelyn, you need to tell him. And she, <laughs> yes, I promise I will tell him before I go. Well, at least she and Kate are being, well, civil enough with each other. And Ed, uh, Evelyn goes upstairs to get her things and Kate <laughs> says, <laughs> I'm really worried about how de- down and depressed Edward is. Door flies open. He is looking holy moly hot. Ho, ho, ho. He's got, (laughs) he's wearing a nice suit jacket with a nice silk, tealish, tealish, bluish uh, shirt underneath. He's wearing a, what looks like maybe a wool coat over that and a silk or cream white scarf. He's wearing sunglasses. So clearly he's let the, like, oh, I'm the most fantastic lover she's ever had kind of, you'll build his ego up. I love how he's like leaning back against the door like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) And Kate is just like, Edward? He puts in a French accent like, mon chéri. I love how he flings his coat off on the uh, (laughs) it just falls to the floor. He picks her up and leads her over to the couch and says, don't talk. And as he's leading her over to the couch, he's looking at him like, oh, you've read the book. He, he just really, eh, I glanced at it. The idea of he being the world's greatest lover written in this book is just, it really puffed up his ego a bit. He's not in the doldrums anymore. So he's like, hey, forget the book as he pulls out of his lapel pocket. Tickets to a Broadway show. And then they're going to check into the Plaza Hotel. Hey, the same one that later on Kevin McAllister will stay at in 1991. Oh, he talks about them checking into the plaza and then having a candlelit dinner. What is it, what is it with him and candlelight dinners? That's almost as uh, tropey as uh, walks on the beach. Oh, we're going to walk on the beach. Ugh. I, I mean, cool if you're into it, I guess, but... It just seems so kind of cliched. And I love how he's like touching her, you know, running his finger down the side of her face and talking about romantic music. I'm like, you guys need to take this upstairs. <laughs> he just, he takes the tickets out of her hand and is like, oh, you know what, forget the show. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, I mean, in case you have other plans. And she's like, oh, if I did, I'd change them. And it's like, they're definitely make out central. So Evelyn comes in and she's like, oh, I hate to break this up. She's always coming in at the worst times. She says, I hate to break this up, but I must be off to my hotel. And Kate stands up and she says, oh, well, uh, Edward's taking me to the plaza this weekend. And 
<laughs> Evelyn's like, oh, well, I'll be at the Waldorf. And it's like, so the Waldorf Hotel, that, that hotel is probably better than the Plaza? I don't know. This is 1987, so. Poor Rick! What is in that suitcase? And then he's also carrying a bag for his mom that's on his back. And he's like, oh, the attraction. Poor kid. He's only 16. He's going to have back problems. So, of course, before she leaves, Evelyn's like, oh, Edward, there's something I must make clear to you. And Kate is like, no, 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 you don't have to say anything. I love how Kate comes over and like, oh, no, there is nothing you need to make clear. She's got her hands on Evelyn's shoulders and is literally, like, practically pushing her out the door. And Edward's, like, walking with him, like, towards the door, like, oh, what do you have to make clear? And Kate's like, oh, no, nothing, nothing. And Evelyn's confused, like, don't you want me to? And Kate's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so Kate turns to Edward and says, Edward, sweetheart, can you help Rick with the bags? Thank you. Kate is ready for it. I'm telling you, he is back. He is ready to go. Unlike his depressed self from like 48 hours ago. So Evelyn turns back to Kate and asks, would you mind telling me the truth about why why you stopped me from telling the, the truth to Edward? So Kate says, oh, it's very simple, Evelyn. Edward got a copy of the book and he was so thrilled to think that he was a hero that I, I couldn't, uh, like, oh, I couldn't hurt his feelings. Uh-huh. No, she's gonna, she's gonna ride that train all the way to, uh, Yeah. And Evelyn's like, yeah? And Kate says, oh, and I am dying to spend a weekend at the Plaza Hotel. And Evelyn, as she heads towards the door, turns and says, Kate, why, that's the sleaziest, conniving, deceitful thing I've ever heard. And then she turns in the doorway and looks at Kate and says, there's hope for you yet. And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> Ooh. I liked this episode. Um, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I'm like, eh, the whole thing with Brad running for student council. Like, no, not, not, uh... Mm. But, um... So, the, so, what I did like... I, I liked the whole Mar- fantasy with Marie as Oprah. thought it was hilarious. Just Edward and Edward trying to get a hold of that book and, you know, Dexter's appearance and just Kate like, oh, 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 Evelyn, no, no, don't, you don't have to, you know, tell Edward the truth. I mean, (laughs) she's gonna gonna ride that train all the way to the station. I'm telling, I'm telling you. (laughs) I mean, Joel Higgins, I mean, he looks, he, how many times I probably said it over the course of five seasons. He looked good in blue. Blue silk. He wow. I mean, yes, I did say, oh, he needs to get a haircut. He's looking like season one, Edward. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I love Marie. I think she's awesome. I think this might be the last episode that has her in it, unless she's in any, like, 19 through 24, which I don't know if she is. Uh, Silver Spoonful for this episode, I think I'm going to just say, don't jump to conclusions. Like, oh, this, if you know someone who wrote a book, and you're like, I bet this person's like, well, because 
the way it comes off, the way she explained it in the beginning, it's almost like, yes, it's like, it's about you. And it's almost like you flat out, in not so many words, yeah, it's about you. And it's just like, I don't think so. But I just, don't jump to conclusions. If you want to pretend you're the hero of the story or whatever, just, I mean, if, that, if that's your fantasy, then go for it. But, um, another thing is if you're a writer and you're writing about someone, you change them enough that the person isn't like, well, this sounds just like me. It's like, well, it's not. <laughs> that's why sometimes, like, memoirs and things that come out that are based on a true story, they will put something in the front of the book that says wanting to protect the individuals that the characters are somewhat based around their names, situations, characteristics have been changed, which makes sense. You want to protect the individual. You don't want someone, hey, that sounds like Jerry Dinglehopper or something to that effect. Is this about you, Jerry Dinglehopper? What? Another thing, like in Brad's case, like don't, don't be a smut about like how Brad went about like oh another broad for Brad or some gross crap like that ugh gross just gross just win honestly okay I don't I still don't understand how he won a basketball star with a 4.0 you can't get much better than that you are an athlete and you're extremely uber smart Alright, let's jump into Season 5, Episode 18, Hero Worship. Like I said, it aired uh, two days after Valentine's Day, February 16th, 1987. This Stratton's new neighbor is a rookie basketball star, and Rick is thrilled when he offers him some coaching and invites him to games. But the family is stunned when their new friend is suspended after drug possession arrest. This sounds like something they probably were watching the news and it got to sports and it was like, and now the shocking reveal that whatever the athlete's name is was suspended from the team and he now is uh, arrested on drug charges of steroids or cocaine or Whatever he was taking. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll f- this is this definitely feels really, really late in the game. I mean, we did get the Rick drinking episode. I'm trying to think if there were any, like, illegal substance, substances type episode. Like, uh, talk to your kids about drug use. This thing, to me, other than that, this is what this feels like this is going to be. One of those, or maybe... At the time in 87, I don't know, was there an athletic drug abuse scandal going on at the time? I have no idea. I don't know. But let's find out together in hero worship. Alright, so it looks like it's morning time. We're in the kitchen. Dexter's sitting down at the table with a cup of coffee. Kate notices his cup looks like it's running a little dry. So she asks him if he wants a refill. And he's like, oh no. No thanks, I'm jittery enough as it is. And he's seeing how he can't eat, he can't sleep and everything. And she's like, oh, let me guess, you're in love. And he's like, worse, I'm being interviewed. He says, I can't even tabulate. He says he's going to be interviewed by the Long Island business world. I'm guessing it's a magazine? 
Kate says, wow, that's a very important magazine. And Dexter's like, yeah, I know. They're going to put me on the cover. And I guess, what, they're going to send a camera crew to follow him around and everything like that. And also interview his friends and and people that know him. And, like, uh, they're going to interview Kate. And Dexter actually wrote himself a bio just, you know... If she runs out of things to say about him, all good, of course. And that bothers you. Of course. Says with a few choice phrases that you can use. You know, he hands her his bio that he typed up. I noticed that the glass bowl on the kitchen table has got some bananas, but it looks like it's mostly filled with oranges. So Dexter asks where Edward is because, of course, more than likely, the financial magazine that's interviewing Dexter may want to most likely talk to Edward because he's also got a copy of his bio for Edward to peruse over. Edward's out back showing Rick some basketball moves. Well, we saw how well tennis went. More coffee, Dexter. Oh, no, thank you, Kate. I'm shaky enough. What's wrong? Oh, Kate, I'm a wreck. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't even tabulate. (laughs) Don't tell me you're in love. Worse. I'm going to be interviewed for the Long Island Business World. Well, that's a very important magazine. I know. They're going to put me in the cover. And that bothers you? Of course. They're going to follow me around, want to quote me, interview people who know me. Like whom? Like you. (laughs) Well, you don't have to worry. I'll say lots of wonderful things about you. Really? Well, if you can't lie for a friend... Kidding. Well, just in case you run short of things to say, here's my bio with a few choice phrases you may want to use. Off the cuff, of course. Of course. <laughs> Where's Edward? They may want to talk to him, too. He's out back showing Rick some basketball moves. Oh, great. Just when I need to talk to him. Well, why don't you go out and join them? Well, it might relax you. Oh, no, I don't play basketball. Same here. You don't play basketball? No, and I don't tap dance, neither. <laughs> So, Kate says, you know, Edward and Rick are out playing basketball. I guess he's, Edward's trying to teach Rick some moves. And Dexter, you know, she even like, hey, why don't you go out and join him? It might relax you. And he's like, no, no, I don't play basketball or tap dance. And now we cut to outside where there's a lot of, a lot of ground on. Edward's got a lot of backyard because he's got a full basketball court as well as a tennis court he's got everything (laughs) so rick makes a jump shot he's like yes and edward calls a foul i'm like are you serious is this how it's gonna be every time they play sports edward's always gonna be calling foul on rick it's like he can't lose graciously not that he's who knows but it's just like he was he was so like that during the tennis episode. Remember the episode Man to Man this season? Where he was turning like 42 or 43 and he was all like a sad sack because he thought he was getting old. And then every time that Rick scored on him, he is thinking of another way. Like, no, it doesn't count, doesn't count. I'm like, you gotta be joking. Yes! Oh, oh come on! What? Come on, you got me on your arm. <laughs> Oh, he didn't touch you! 
See that backspin? That's what I was trying to show you. Whatever. Now go get the ball. No, you get it. You threw it. Oh, there we be. Who threw that? Did I get it in? Yeah. Right. Hey, you're that new guy just signed with New York. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're Gary Stafford. Gary Stafford. Gary. Okay. That's right. Uh, I'm your new neighbor. The guy wow. looked older well, than I Edward. Heard somebody leaves the Carlisle place, but I expected somebody older. And shorter. <laughs> well, this is a real pleasure. My How name is uh, Edward Stratton. Well, my son, Rick. Six, you already know my name. <laughs> this is outrageous. The Gary Stafford, the hottest rookie in pro basketball, is my neighbor. Our neighbor. Dad, in college, Gary scored the winning basket against Louisville as the buzzer sounded from 60 feet out. Uh, 65. Wow. <laughs> While he was double teamed. Double wow. And in his junior year, he broke all conference scoring records. I think I found a fan. Yeah. Hey, clearly. Well, welcome to the neighborhood. Gosh, if you ever need anything, a cup of sugar, my car, <laughs> my wallet. They are... Well, thanks very much, athlete. and if you ever need anything, just... As a matter of fact, you know, I've been having some problems with my hook shot. Well, it's not exactly a problem, I just can't do it, that's all. <laughs> well, um, Rick. Dad. Well, have you, have you got some time right now? You are going to coach me? Oh, wait till I tell the guys at school. Wait till I tell the guys at the office. <laughs> All right, Hookshot. The thing you got to remember here, Rick, is to extend your arm. Uh-huh. And when you shoot the ball, let it roll real gently off your hand so that you put backspin on it. Whatever I'm saying. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's sweet. Of course. I hate to say that. You know, I told you the same thing. Doesn't count if yeah, you said that. Yeah, but Dad, it. he knows what he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. I am watching this again, and I had to rewind it again. I don't think it even goes in the net, and Rick's acting like he just did a jump shot. It really does not look like it went in the basket. It looks like it... Might have hit the rim, but it, like, hit the net below it to make it look like it went it Like, mm, I don't know about that. So, yeah, let's go back to the... So, he, Edward calls him out for a foul saying that Rick got him on the arm. Well, Edward tells him about defense because Edward's dribbling the ball. Rick steals it from him and does a, a layup or a jump. Uh, I'm guessing a layup. That's what he did before. And Edward's like, no, sorry, oh, basically it doesn't count because he was traveling. I'm like, excuse me? This is the same crap he pulled when they played tennis. Calling him out on shots that there's no reason to be calling him out for. It's like he's jealous because he doesn't want his son to be better at something than he, he hates the competition. So Rick's like, Dad, come on. And Edward says, you want me to give you a tip, Rick? And Rick's like, what? He says, don't argue with your dad. And he chucks the ball right into Rick's stomach. Ooh. And I gotta say this. Here's another thing. 
Who's wearing jeans to play basketball? You want to be able to move like as smooth as silk? You wear some, I don't know, shorts or some sweatpants or something that's going to, something's going to let you be able to move. I think your, your movements are going to be restricted in jeans. Ah, Rick's got that red hoodie. I love it. So Rick wants to make the basketball team, so that's why Edward is helping him. So Edward is behind Rick, you know, playing defense. And it's like, dude, why are you smacking your son's bum? Like, come on, come on. Like, stop. So is this a hook shot? It's where you, like, let it, you hold your arm out and you balance, I guess, the ball on the fingers or whatever. And you just do, a, like, a Hail Mary throw or a, I don't know. Like I said, I don't really know the ins and outs of basketball. I did watch all of One Tree Hill, which was basically all about basketball, high school basketball. In college basketball and NBA basketball to a point. To a point. But all I know is the ball goes into that hoop net thing. Again, he's like slamming him. Like, oh, well, you made it, Rick. But that's no way to throw a hook shot or hoop, what a hook shot. How would you know? Did you play on a team in high school? I mean, college or, or both even? Yeah, he's, he's giving him criticism, I get it, to teach him. But he's like, oh, you didn't extend your arm. You gotta get the ball, like, like, leap off your fingertips or something. Roll off your fingertips. A nice backspin to it. Here, let me show you what I'm talking about. And he chucks it behind himself and it goes beyond the fence into the new neighbor's yard. Which we see the guy's name is Jerry something or other. And... I gotta say, I mean, this guy made the NBA. I don't know how old you are at that point. Because he also, according to Rick, played college ball. But this guy, I mean, he's like probably six foot five or even taller than that. He looks older than Edward. But maybe that's because he's talking to drugs and it's prematurely aging him. Like in his face. I love how Rick's like, nice shot, coach. Edward's like, oh yeah, but did you see that backspin? He's like, well, that was what I was trying to show you. And Edward tells Rick, well, I'll go get the ball. I'm like, you throw it over the fence, you get it. Don't make him your wacky. But Rick heads that way, then all of a sudden, outside of the frame of the shot, someone does an air ball and goes right through the net. Like, complete air ball right through the net. And this guy comes in. He's almost as tall as the doorway that he's walking through. I bet he had a duck. He's like, oh, did I get it in? And Rick says, yeah. He's like, all right, great. Edward can't think of his name. Like, hey, you're that new guy that just signed with New York. Gary Stafford. Rick's like, you're Gary Stafford. Never heard of him. That's because it's just a made-up athlete for the show. He's like, yeah, that's right. I'm your new neighbor. Okay, so I guess the Carlisles are the neighbors and they leased this place out to this guy. And both Edward and Rick are like, well, we were expecting someone older and shorter. <laughs> or at least of average height. This guy literally towers over Edward. He's like a freaking giant. And Edward's like, well, this is a real pleasure. I'm Edward Stratton and this is my son, Rick. And Rick is just, he is gaga. He is like hero worship 
right off the bat. And Rick is like, wow, the hottest rookie in NBA, you know, professional basketball is my neighbor. And Edward's like, it's my neighbor too. Oh no, he looks at her like, he's our neighbor. Why is Edward always, yeah, it drives me nuts. He always gets so competitive with Rick. Granted, the only other scene we really see him doing that in is the man-to-man, you know, the tennis match competition between the two of them. So Rick is clearly read up on Gary. He says, like, during college, he hit the winning, you know, shot during the buzzer that won them the championship. From 60 feet away. Actually, uh, Gary corrects it was 65. Apparently this happened while Gary was double teamed as well. So double while. Wow, Rick's got this guy's stats, like, memorized. He says in his junior year of college, he broke a conference record or something. And Gary's like, oh, I think I found a fan. You think? More like an obsessed fan. I'd be concerned. <laughs> so Edward is like, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. If you ever need anything, like, oh, a cup of sugar. <laughs> my car. Or like, my wallet. It's like, okay, buddy, calm down there. You're getting, you're getting like Rick. And Jerry says, hey, if you ever need anything, I mean, Rick jumps on that, grabs the ball out of Edward's hands. It's like, oh, I mean, could you teach me some pointers? says, I've been having some problems with my hook shot. And Rick says, well, I mean, it's not really a problem. I just, I can't do it. So Edward's like, Rick, it's like, clearly the guy probably doesn't have time. And Jerry's really like, well, uh, he's looking at his watch and he's like, um, well, I mean, if you have time right now. And then Gary's telling him basically what, you know, Edward said about the whole extending your arm, letting the ball roll off your fingertips, that kind of thing. And he agreed to it. I mean, <laughs> Rick's like, wow, you're going to coach me? Wait till I tell the guys at school. And Edward's like, wait till I tell the guys at the office. These guys are literally athletic hero, like, they're starstruck, basically. Almost like the time that Rick spoke to Bruce Springsteen on the phone for two hours. He says, let it roll real gently off your hand so you get some backspin on it. Which Edward's like, Rick, I just told you that. And of course, Rick's like, well, yeah, but Dad, he knows what he's, he knows what he's talking about. Because, you know, he's a professional basketball player. Demonstrated goes right in the basket. And that is, I thought at first, because the quality of the video here is kind of, um, but I thought it was, a nylon net. No, you hear those chains rattle. It's a it's a metal net. Alright, so it's breakfast time and Kate grabs Rick's glass to refill his you know, refill it with milk. And Rick tells her, No, 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 Kate, none for me, really. She goes to put the milk back, but Edward's like, Well, I'll have some. So because Rick's not drinking milk, Edward asks him, Are you on a special diet or something? So he's getting information from Gary. Gary tells him that milk does not carry the electrolytes, electrolytes that uh, that an athlete needs. So he goes over to the fridge and he pulls out Gatorade, which I guess in 1987 it was in glass bottles. I I don't know. The only times I ever drank Gatorade or Powerade was when I worked at in a factory during the summer 
So that way I'm not just drinking water all the time because I had an incident. When was it? 2017, I think. Was it 2018? One of those years. It was in August. It was very, very hot. And you guys, if you're regular listeners, if you listen to the Punky Power podcast, I, or I more than likely have brought this up, or even on the Wonder Years podcast, how I had blacked out, and then I ended up going to the emergency room. It's because I wasn't drinking enough electrolytes. I mean, yeah, I had my water there, but I also was drinking pop, which, when it's that hot, if it's like 80, close to 90 outside, it's like over 100 degrees inside a factory. He goes, it's almost like it's a promotional ad for Gatorade. He pulls it, it's like he's in a commercial. He goes to the fridge, opens it, pulls it out and says, I'm starting my morning with, pulls it out, puts it up near his face, Gatorade. Like, oh boy. Which is great for Gatorade, but that's usually if you've been playing out on the court or... You're outside, like, yeah, replenish your electrolytes that you're losing through your sweat. So, <laughs> Kate's, wait, oh, wow, just like Gary, huh? And Rick's like, yep, yeah, just like good old Gary. There's a doorbell. And we learn that Edward, well, he says, you know, it's good for Rick to have someone to look up to, like a hero, like that. And he brings up, how he has his Mickey Mantle baseball mitt that he slept with every night as a kid. And Kate's like, oh, so that's what that was. I take it he's, he has it in the bed with him now, which, okay. Oh, Kate's cutting up some bananas for her cereal. Yeah, as Rick, when Rick leaves, Edward grabs a Gatorade. He's like, hey, maybe I'll start my day off with Gatorade. It's like, okay, enough promotional on the Gatorade, all right? And Kate is, I don't know if you want to call it really complaining, like, oh, everything I hear out of Rick's mouth is Gary, 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 Gary. And this is where Edward says that it's healthy for Rick to have a hero, you know, someone to look up to. And this is where he brings up Mickey Mantle. And Edward says, there wasn't a night that I didn't go to sleep with my Mickey Mantle baseball glove. And Kate looks at him like, oh, so that's what that was. So apparently he's still sleeping with it every night and maybe she roll over on it. Like, what in the world? Of course, Edward smiles at Kate and touches her arm and says, Oh, of course, when I met you, I outgrew it. Then how did she, why did she ask? Oh, so that's what that was. And Edward continues with his hero worship of Mickey Mantle, saying when Mickey Mantle was doing good, when Mickey was doing good, I was doing good. And Kate brings up like, well, what about when he wasn't doing so great? And Edward just looks at her like, Mickey was never, never not doing great. He was always, always, always great. Like, okay, okay, chill out. Mm. No, 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 Kate, none for me, thanks. Oh, all right. Well, I'll take some. What do you want, a special diet or something? No. You see, Dad, Gary says milk doesn't carry the crucial amount of electrolytes that an athlete needs. So I'm starting my morning with... Gatorade. 1987 Gatorade. Just like Gary, huh? You bet. Just like good old Gary. I'll get it. Maybe I'll start my morning with Gatorade. 
It came in a you glass. You know, all I hear out of Rick's mouth lately is Gary, Gary, Gary. Oh, honey, I think it's healthy for Rick to have a hero. I remember I loved my hero so much, it wasn't a night I'd go to sleep without my Mickey Mantle glove. <laughs> so that's what that was. <laughs> when I met you, I outgrew it. But you know something? I remember feeling that when Mickey was really doing great, I was doing great. And when he wasn't doing great? Kate, you're talking about Mickey Mantle. There was never a time he wasn't doing great. Bill. Never. Wow. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Okay, relax, buddy. I'm so glad you outgrew it. Yeah. All right, so we moved to the living room. We got Alfonso, we got Eyeball Chambers, and we got some new kid in a brown leather jacket named Jeff, who we've never seen and most likely will never see again. Alfonso's pretty much doing the talking for the guy saying, oh yeah, I mean, like you really know Greg Stafford. Like he really lives next door. And Rick says, hey, if you stick around a while, you might see him. He might be stopping by. Yeah, hang around. He's coming over. And Alfonso says, yeah, right. And I'm Dr. J. And of course, this dum-dum here, Jeff, like, hey, yeah, and I'm Dr. Ruth. Like, who in the heck are you even? Apparently, it's Rick's friend, like, one of these one-off, one-note types that come around for a scene and then they vanish. And Rick says, hey, you think I'm making this up? And Eyeball Chambers over here is like, no, we think you're lying. So I'm guessing Rick kind of lives out in the past the burbs into the country setting because eyeball chambers here is all like well what would a big basketball star want to live out here he should have a pad out in the city where he can mingle with the masses and stuff it's like maybe the dude wants his privacy would be my guess i mean guy you're not an athlete you're not a celebrity you don't i'm not a celebrity either but i'm sorry but i don't think i want to be right in the middle so you're surrounded by people all the time you want to get away to have some some semblance of privacy a swank pad in the city well the door opens and guess who it is it's greg and Greg comes in, he's like, hey, Rick. And Rick's like, hey. And of course, Alfonso, Jeff, and Eyeball Chambers are just, their mouths are literally on the floor agape. Like, Aah! speechless. They're speechless. Like, and you said he was lying. In your face. In your face. What? I love how Rick goes over and shakes his hand like, hey, how you doing, Gary? They're really chummy. They're really chummy. They hang out all the time. Because they do. And Greg asks, hey, who are your friends? And Rick says, oh, would you like me to introduce you? <laughs> would you boys like that? And they're all like, huh. their eyes are like, Bleh. so wide. They're like, oh. <laughs> so Rick says, that's Alfonso, that's Rick, and that's Eric slash who I call Eyeball Chambers. Oh, Rick. He has to really stretch to put his arm up right around Greg's pet, you know, over his neck, his shoulder, like, this is my friend Greg. What do we get the feeling? We can't see it because the camera is, like, shooting from above Rick's belly button, but 
I bet anything, he's got to stand on his tiptoes to be able to reach up and over and clasp Gary, or Gary, Greg on the shoulder. And Greg says, hi. The guys don't say anything. They're still, they're like shell-shocked. And Gary kind of leans and says, like, do they talk? (laughs) So Greg pulls out of his pocket a couple tickets for uh, the game tonight. Tonight's game against the Lakers. So he asks Rick, like, hey, you need a ride? If you do, be over at my place at four. And this is where Edward comes in. So Greg leaves, like, hey, see you later, guys. He's like, hey, we should talk like this more often. All three of the guys are, like, nodding, like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And even Edward is like, well, I thought we could ride there in, you know, my Mercedes. And Rick looks at all of them, including his dad. He's like, hey, guys, there's no fair way for me to decide who goes. And Edward's like, well, I figured we could ride in my Mercedes. <sighs> he said, yeah, it's like, that way you don't have to have Gary pick you up early. You know, you'd be stuck talking to all those basketball guys. Oh, basketball players before the game. Like, oh, uh, I think he wants to do that. That sounds like a dream come true for Rick. And Rick's friends are all kind of tilting their head to the side like, you're kidding, right? So Rick, or, um, Edward decides, like, hey, you know, maybe maybe you should uh, choose one of your friends. I gotta get the fishing gear ready for our big fishing trip tomorrow. Why do I get the feeling that that isn't gonna go over well? I think that Rick's like, oh, I'm sorry, I already made plans with Greg. We're gonna do what this or something. And before Edward leaves, he looks at Rick's friends and like, See you guys. Almost like my son's choosing his friends over me. So I like what Rick does here. He says, hey, let's go out to the back. We'll shoot some hoops. Whoever gets the most baskets in a half hour gets the other ticket. That sounds like a great idea. And Alfonso's like, hey, just, okay, just remember who got you through algebra. And Rick looked at Alfonso and says, I got you through algebra. Now Fonzo's like, let's not get technical. Oh, we don't get to hear the results of uh, who got to go? I hope we do. I mean, I would have liked to know. We'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, sure, Rick. Gary Stafford lives next door. Look, if you don't believe me, just hang around. He's coming over. Right, and I'm Dr. J. And I'm Dr. Ruth. You guys think I'm making this up? No, we think you're lying. (laughs) Besides, what would a basketball star be doing out here? A guy with that money would have a swank pad in the city where he could go hunting for babes. (laughs) Hi, Rick. Hey. How you doing, Gear? Fine, fine. Who are your friends? Oh, let me introduce you. Would you boys like that? Thought you would. (laughs) This is Alfonso, Jeff, and Eric. This is my friend, Gary Stafford. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Do they talk? (laughs) Listen, Rick, uh, I just happen to have a couple tickets for tonight's game against the Lakers. You want them? Are you serious? Yeah. Now listen, if you need a ride, be over at my place at 4 o'clock, okay? See you later, guys. We should talk like this more often. Thanks, Gary. Bye. 
Guys, there's no fair way I can decide who goes. Well, I thought you might want to ride in my Mercedes. Oh, come on. That way you wouldn't have to have Gary pick you up early and hang around talking to all the basketball players before oh, the game. Oh, that does sound good. We might do that. Well, on second thought, maybe you should take one of your friends. After all, I got to get the fishing gear ready for our big fishing trip tomorrow, huh? Okay. Okay. See you guys. No. Okay, I've got the solution. We'll go out to the hoop and play some ball. The one with the most baskets in a half an hour gets the second ticket. All right, let's All right, go. Okay. okay, but just remember who got you through algebra. <laughs> Alfonso, I got you through algebra. Yeah. Let's not get technical. You miss a great game. Dad, Gary scored 30 points. I know, I was listening. Of course, it wasn't the same as being there. Yeah, well, anyway, Dad, after the game, Gary introduced us to the team. And he even got a couple of towels for Alfonso and me. Look, this is the very towel they used to wipe the sweat off the floor. Ew! Wow, did you give me one? No. Uh, no, but I'll talk to Gary for you. You know, Dad, he is one terrific guy. And he acts like an ordinary human being. Amazing. Well, son, I'm glad you had a good time, but you better hit the old sack. We're going to get up at the crack of dawn and catch the big ones. Oh, no. What oh, no? I kind of figured he made fun Dad, of Dad, I, I can't go. What do you mean you can't go, Rick? We've been planning this trip for weeks. Yeah, but Dad, Gary said he would coach me on some moves tomorrow. He does that every day. Not at Madison Square Garden. You're going to practice at Madison Square Garden? Yep, and that's because the schedule's so tight. Dad, I'm lucky to get any time at all. I mean, with his help, I'm a shoo-in for first string. Oh, you understand, right? Madison Square Garden? Yeah, I think he understands. Maybe we can go fishing next week. Well, yeah, I guess so. If the lake isn't frozen over. Oh, whatever. Well, great. We'll spend the whole week together next week. Yeah? Yeah. See, that's when Gary goes on the road. Aww. Great. That's gonna suck. I kind of figured this would happen. Okay, so it is later that night. I don't know why I thought it was the next day. Edward's on the couch. He is going through his tackle box. And it's like, dude, you gotta be careful because you can get your finger poked by those hooks. And he sure did. Rick comes back from the game, and he's got a, he, actually, it turns out Alfonso won, so he and Alfonso, which is cool, because Alfonso's his best friend. So they got to go to the game together, and Gary let them, you know, talk to the, introduce them to the whole team, even got them a towel that is used to wipe up the sweat off the floor, which, I mean, if you're a gung-ho basketball fan like that, I mean, that's your jam. I, I think it's gross, but whatever. <laughs> so, I kind of figured that this is how this was going to play out. You know, Edward says they've been planning this trip for weeks, and it turns out, because Rick wants to be ready for tryouts for, you know, hoping, hoping to get first string you know, for basketball. So, I'm guessing first string for basketball is like you get to play when the game starts, I guess. 
Like you're first on the lineup. Listen to me, I don't know jack about sports. <laughs> but he says, I'm going, Gary's schedule is pretty tight, and but he said he could fit me in, you know, to practice. And at first, you know, Edward's like, well, you do that every day. And Rick says, yeah, but not at Madison Square Garden. And Edward is like, Madison Square Garden? And Rick asks, Lee, you're not upset by this, are you? And Edward just repeats, Madison Square Garden? And it's like, sure, yeah, he's cool. he, he seems pretty cool about it. I mean, and Rick even says, like, hey, next week, you and I, we'll hang out the entire week. The whole week is ours. Because Greg's going to be on the road. <laughs> How convenient to fit in your father. Because I guess they've been planning that trip for weeks, according to Edward. He's like, well, I hope the ice isn't frozen over. Then you'll go ice fishing, if it is. Come on now. Hi, Dexter. Come on in. Oh, thank you. Who's that lady? This is Arlene Milton, the editor of the Long Island Business World. Oh. I don't know if I mentioned it to you or not, but uh, Arlene's doing an article on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very nice to meet you, Arlene. Well, it's nice meeting you, too. Dexter speaks very highly of you. Oh, well, Dexter's always giving praise to everyone but himself. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Kate, you are the driving force behind Eddie Toys. See what I mean? <laughs> If the truth be known, whatever success we've had at Eddie Toys, we owe in large part to Dexter. Isn't she wonderful? (laughs) I'll say it's not often the president of a company would be so generous in giving credit to an employee. Oh, well, Dexter is hardly an employee. (laughs) Dexter's the nuts and bolts that holds our company together. (laughs) Well, if you ladies will excuse me, this nut has got to go to work. Besides, uh, I'd only get embarrassed hearing all these compliments, even if they are true. (laughs) See, all that talent and a sense of humor. (laughs) Please, come on in. Oh, would you like some tea? Yes, thank you. So how long have you been Dexter's boss? Oh, two years, ever since I became president of Eddie Toys. Wasn't it in the past two years that Eddie Toys became one of the fastest growing companies in the industry? Well, yes, I I guess you could say that. So Dexter brings over this, the lady who's going to be doing the interview for, she's from, what, the magazine that he's going to be on the cover of, and turns out it looks like, because, you know, she wants to interview people that know Dexter that, you know, work with him and stuff like that, which is understandable, and Kate really builds him, like, oh, he is I mean, Dexter here. I mean, be the president, but Dexter here, he is, like, literally the nuts and bolts behind Eddie Toys. So he goes, you know, leaves to give the ladies time to chat about him. And Kate invites her over to the, uh, the seat there, like, hey, you want some tea? And they start talking about Eddie Toys. Like, how long have you been president? You, How long have you been Dexter's boss? And Kate says about two years. And the interviewer latches onto that. I'm sorry, I cannot remember her name. But she says, yes, and in those two years, Eddie Toys has seen its most success. So I'm thinking that this is going to be this lady's, like, I want to, you know, instead of Dexter, let's look at Kate here, who is a woman in power. She's become the president of Eddie Toys for two years, and she's 
managed to bring it out of its... I don't think she's going to say Eddie Choice was in its slump until Kate jumped in there, but however that works out. So that's kind of plot B. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see... This is my spoil. This is not a spoiler because I don't know how this is going to end, but this is my assumption. This is my guess. I think that Kate's going to wind up on the cover of the magazine and the piece is going to be about her... More than it's going to be about Dexter. Dexter maybe gets a line in the article. So now it looks like we're moving to the kitchen where Edward is making... I'm not going to say a giant sandwich. He's making a pretty decent sized sandwich with a tomato. I don't like those. Hey, how'd the interview go? Oh, fine. I just told her how terrific Dexter is and how much we rely on him. So you lied, huh? Edward, what are you doing? I'm making my tuna casserole for dinner tonight I know Hey, Dad, what are you so excited about? Guess what blonde relative of yours made first cut on the basketball team? Um, Aunt Harriet? Very funny, Dad. I'm talking about yours truly. It's great. <laughs> Congrats. Thanks. So happy. Well, not so fast. You know, I've still got to make Final Cut, guys. Oh, well, tell us all about it. Yeah, come on. Sit down here. Let me know all the details. The Final yeah, Cut. Yeah, but just give me a little time, okay? I've got to go tell Gary. Oh, of course. He's going to tell Gary before he can well, talk to us. At least he told you first. Yeah, that's because he bumped into me on the way to see Gary. Edward, you so said it was healthy for you to have a hero. When the hero was me. Well, he's not 12 years old anymore. It's a terrible thing to grow up, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of hoping I wouldn't have to. So, Edward asked Kate how the interview went, and she's like, oh, you know, really, really well. I really talked up Dexter and said how we can't do without him. He's just so great. And Edward says, so you lied. She's no, I didn't lie. And she notices because she puts on an apron when she comes in the kitchen, she's going to be making her tuna casserole, which I haven't had tuna in ages. And Jeremy's definitely not a fan, but I'm pretty sure someone in my past has made tuna casserole for dinner. She's like, because he's got a he's got a pretty decent sized sandwich. She's like, what are you doing? I'm making dinner. I'm going to be making tuna casserole. He's like, I know. So. Is it just he just doesn't like tuna casserole? I mean, because he's a really, really good cook. She's always, like, always, you know, talk about Kate's cooking. It's it's the best. She's making prime rib and that double layer cake with the, coco- with the coconut frosting, which I still can't get over. I'm still talking about, I'm still thinking about that today. <laughs> Rick comes in and he's like, hey, guess what blonde relative of yours just made for a string? And <laughs> Edward's like, Aunt Harriet or something like that. And he's like, no, me. And it turns out, yeah, he made first string, but he's got to make the final cut. I don't know how that stuff works. Um, those of you, if you're in high school and you play sports or you've been in high school and played sports, maybe you can explain it to me at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. Or I could just look it up on the internet. Uh, so, of course, Edward's like, hey, sit down and tell us all about it. We want to hear. Give us the dates. And Rick's like, well, I can't. I gotta go tell Gary. And I think Edward's getting a little jealous. 
It's like, oh, yeah, the only reason he told me is because he bumped into me on his way to tell Gary. And I think Kate feels like, oh, someone's a little jealous. Someone's getting jealous. And she says, I thought you said it was healthy for him to have a hero. He's like, yeah, when that hero was me. I'm like, buddy, he's not 12 years old anymore. He's not going to think you hung the He's a teenager. I mean, he loves you, sure, but... He wants someone that he can... I mean, he can look up to Edward, too, but... It isn't every day a professional athlete moves next door to you. Want some coffee? I got a new blend. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like it. No, okay, it's not the coffee. Listen to this. Gary Stafford, star basketball player, was stopped for reckless driving on the Long Island Expressway. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, it gets worse. A search of his car revealed a small amount of narcotics. Oh, no. A spokesman for the team announced that Stafford has been suspended pending a review. Good morning, guys. Hi, Rick. Hi, bud. Hey, Dad, let me have the sports section. I want to see what Gary did last night. No, you don't. <laughs> well, in that case, you want to see the front page. Front page? What did he do? Score 100 points? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so that is an interesting way to learn about that is reading it in the paper. And it seems that, I mean, you know, people, when they are doing this, Probably, I'm just making assumptions here, guys, so don't take what I say literally. People can be, you know, you know, good at hiding things like this. And I'm just like, how could this have gone? I, I almost thought, like, at one point they are going to turn on the news and it was on the news. But no, Kate and Edward sit down to, you know, drinking their coffee and whatnot in the morning. He's reading the sports page on the front page, guys. It says that Gary was stopped for reckless driving on the expressway and when they searched the car, it was filled with narcotics. Not cigarettes, not alcohol, narcotics. And of course, Edward's not too happy about that, but Rick comes downstairs, he's all excited, he's like, oh, I want to read the sports page, Dad, I want to hear how uh, Gary did. Maybe uh, score 100 points, and he what? and that, that smile was gone as he's reading, and he just throws down that paper and walks out, and I'm just like, yeah, and the thing is, I can see him saying, like, oh, I thought I knew Gary, you know, he just, he's such a great guy, why would he because he he's definitely looks like, you know, he's been let down. It's someone, you know, he's looked up to. It's like, dude, you don't know, other than this guy's stats and whatnot that you're probably following, you don't know Jack Diddley about his personal life. This guy's probably been doing this stuff for quite a while. More than likely, they weren't doing drug tests until... And the thing is, the, the team, his manager probably had no idea until the arrest came in. And now the guy's off the team, which 
I'm guessing he's going to be moving somewhere else. I mean, has he been... It said that on the paper, it said he was arrested. So I'm just kind of wondering if around this time, was there some type of athletic drug scandal in the 80s? thing is that I'm thinking that maybe could have made this just episode just a little better because it's almost like everything's going great and then the rug is ripped out from under you. And I thought, what if we saw, like, signs of that in, you know, Greg playing with Gary, Greg. Oh, now I forgot his name. Why am I blanking? Um, just... You know, effects from whatever he was on and stuff. You know, him playing with Rick and then it building to that. Or maybe it's just they didn't want to give anything away too soon and have it be one of those, boom, ripping the rug out from under your feet type of moments. And maybe that works better. I don't know. Okay, it definitely looks like, from what I'm seeing, um, Pittsburgh Drug Trials of 1985, Cocaine Scandal... 1985, baseball's cocaine scandal. Um, <clears throat> 11 Cardinals in early 80s used cocaine heavily. Gotcha. All right. They did say narcotics, and nar cocaine is a narcotic, so maybe this could be in relevance to that. Like, let's take, I mean, even though it's 1987, at this point. Maybe it's like, hey, we haven't done like a ser well, an episode in regards to drug use other than, you know, Rick and the alcohol situation from season four, one for the road, parts one and two. And they're like, hey, let's get them in the last season with something that's relevant to what's going on in the 80s and sports and drugs. And also, I think. Even though I'm doing a little silver spoonful too early, but I honestly think, and the episode's not over yet, but I honestly think that, you know, you know, these kids, they grow up, you know, worship, worshiping and just idolizing these professional athletes, just what they're doing on the field and, oh, they're making so much money. It's like, you don't look at the big private picture which is what they're doing when they're not playing or you know this could have been even not just narcotics but what about eventually I don't know if this was a was it a 90s scandal with the the baseball players or whoever's using the steroids to stuff like that but maybe it was more I mean because 80s what I hear when I hear about the 80s and stuff like it I hear about the drug you know Aside from the music, movies, and all that stuff, I hear about heavy, heavy cocaine use. And how many jokes are like, oh, they're all snorting coke and this and that. And it's just like, ugh. So I can see the show like, hey, let's try to reel in viewers in the last half of the show's run with this storyline. So I want to see... Because um, we got Rick and his dad playing basketball. I want to see if Greg comes over. Or Gary comes over. Why do I keep calling him Greg? I don't know. 
I want to see if the guy does come over and what Edward and Rick's reaction is going to be. Where Edward's like, I don't feel comfortable you being around my son. I would like you to leave. That's what I think might happen. But let's find out. I am really interested to see how this plays out. I, I think that the Silver Spoons did do, I, I kind of like that it was a, a, you know, a big reveal. Granted, you guys, when I read the summary, you kind of like, oh, okay. I kind of spoiled it for you, but, um, and those of you that have probably watched it originally in its original run already knew this, but I didn't know how exactly this was going to be, how this was going to play out. I didn't know how this was going to be brought up exactly. I I honestly assumed they were going to flip on the news and bing, bang, boom, we see the guy getting arrested, handcuffed, put in the car, see, like, pounds upon pounds of narcotic cocaine or heroin or whatever. Let's see how this plays out now. I'm really interested. All right, Larry Bird! Or is it Big Bird? <laughs> Oh, Edward, you are flying, bud. What are we playing here, bud? One he's, on none? He's here. I don't even think Come on, you never make a team like that. Try your jump shot. Come on, let's go. No, I got I you, I got you, I got you. Come on, boy, come on. Rick, you know a Smurf could have blocked that shot. <laughs> Want to try with a little lift? Yeah, Dad, I don't feel like lifting today, okay? Rick, if you keep playing like this, I'm not going to let you on a team. I can even let you in the gym. You know, Dad, it's not the end of the world if I don't make the basketball team. What? You know, in fact, I've been thinking I'm not going to even bother showing up for the final cuts. I thought your dream was to be a basketball player. <laughs> well, I changed my mind. Now I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> so it's Gary, huh? Gary who? Your friend, who happened to screw up. Oh, him. You know, just because he let you down doesn't mean you have to let yourself down. Dad, I am not letting myself down. I'm just not interested in playing some dumb sport with a basketball. Oh, come on, Rick, that's no attitude. You're able to roll with the punches. I'm going to get myself a glass of milk. Well, since you're not drinking it anymore, get me some Gatorade. <laughs> Yeah, come on in. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Oh, not so bad. What's up with you guys? Oh, nothing. We just heard your friend, Gare. It's going about 90 miles an hour. Without a car. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, guys. Well, you did say it was going to break all kinds of records. Yeah. We didn't know you meant on the Long Island Expressway. Why are you <laughs> digging on him? They're still ticked because they didn't get a towel. Alfonso, would you please show these guys out? Sure. How about your upstairs window? Hey, I bet if Gary jumped out a window, he'd go straight up. <laughs> All right, so we got Rick and Edward playing one-on-one, -on -one, but it seems like more like Edward is just playing basketball against himself. Rick's not really putting in the effort, and I can understand why, because his hero disappointed him. 
And he has no interest in playing basketball. He doesn't need... Because at one point... You know, Rick could have, like, gotten the ball and went for the basket. And Edward's like, you know, a Smurf could have gotten that shot. And Rick is just like, hey, I'm not interested in where you gotta put a ball in a hoop. And I'm just thinking... Yeah, he even says that I don't even want to bother showing up. I don't want to try out for the team anymore. And Edward says, well, your dream was to be a basketball star. I'm like, he's 16 years old. He's going to have a lot of dreams. How many boys at one point in time in their life, if they're into sports, have dreamt of being a professional baseball, basketball, football, hockey, golf star? Maybe not so much golf, but... Still. And I... And Everett understands, and he's like... Kind of chalks up what Greg did to, like... Uh, it was a mistake. It's like, dude... This guy had narcotics in his car. He was driving recklessly. That is not a mistake. I'm sorry, but that is a choice. Yeah, Ever. Okay, so kind of go back to the. Yeah, Ever goes up for the layup, and he, he makes it so easy. He's like, "What are we playing? One on none?" So Ever's like, "Yeah, hey, you're not gonna make the team like that. Let's see your jump shot." And of course, Rick goes to, you know, shoot it, and Edward knocks it right out of his hands. He's like, "A Smurf could have made that shot." Oh no, a Smurf could have blocked that shot. Okay. And Edward says, hey, you want to try it with a little more lift? And Rick's like, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like lifting today. And it seems like, I'm guessing, maybe Gary just got home. Because Rick looks over to... Because they got the... But they got this green tarp over it. Over the enclosed court. Ebert is concerned. He's like, Rick, if you keep playing like this, they're not going to let you on the team. Heck, they're not even going to let you in the gym. So, Rick's behavior, his attitude is kind of confusing for Edward. You know, for the longest time, it's all about, Gary's going to show me how to, you know, do a jump shot and a, a whatever that other special shot was with the extending the arm and letting a hook shot. And Rick says, Dad, it's not the end of the world if I don't make the team. And that's surprising to Edward. He's like, I thought your dream was to be a professional basketball star. And Rick says, well, dreams change. I think I want to be a cowboy. And (laughs) right after he said that, all I can think of is that dang song, I Want to Be a Cowboy. I think that's what it's called. The Jeremy plays it all the freaking time. Actually, now that I think about uh, him being a cowboy, the song that just popped in my head is Cowboy by Kid Rock. Okay, I found this one. Okay, it's by Boys Don't Cry, I Want to Be a Cowboy. It's from 1985. Okay, yeah, that is a song that Jeremy plays constantly. I'm just like, ugh. And Rick stuns Edward even more when he says, you know, I've been thinking, I don't think I'm going to show up for the final cuts. It's like, dude, because... You were let down? No, it's almost like you're punishing yourself. Like, oh, well, I don't even want to, I don't even care about basketball anymore. It means nothing to me. It's like, you've been talking up basketball like it's the end-all be-all for the last few weeks. Or however long this episode and, and 
that time is played out. It's like because someone you looked up to got busted for coke or heroin or whatever. Now it's like, well, because that guy, you know, it's like, dude, don't punish yourself. It's basically, that's what he's doing. Now, I don't know, and this most likely is not the same thing. So please don't jump down my throat. Um, where sometimes an actor does something and falls out of favor with the public for whatever reason. And then it's like, well, this person did this. I'm not going to watch their movies. I'm not going to, you know, watch their television show. I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm just not going to have anything to do with them. So, I mean, granted, this is not even remotely the same thing, but... And this is where Edward says, I thought your dream was be, to be a basketball player. And where, uh, Rick says, well, I changed my mind. It's like, no, I want to be a cowboy. Yeah, right. So Edward goes and does a layup shot. And he's like, he kind of figures like this is about Gary. He's like, okay, so this is about Gary. And Rick is like playing dumb. Like, Gary who? And Edward says, your friend who happened to screw up, which... Would you chalk that up to a screw-up? Would you? He is an adult. Gary is not some teenager whose mind isn't 100% developed yet. Even though I wouldn't, if a teenager pulled that kind of crap, I wouldn't be like, oh, I can't make mistakes. It's just, no. No. I like what Edward says here. Where he says, just because he let you down doesn't mean you need to let yourself down. It's like, yeah, why are you punishing yourself for something that someone else did? It just seems like, dude, you worked so hard to get where you are for basketball and now you just want to throw it all away? Because your your hero, your your idol, your he messed up? How is that helping you? You don't want to be friends with this guy. You don't want to talk to him ever again. That's fine. But don't just throw everything you work for away just because you're angry. And Rick turns to his dad. He's like, hey, dad, I'm not, I'm not letting myself down. I'm just not interested in playing a sport with a basketball. Like, dude, it's more than that and you know it. This has everything to do with Gary. If you hadn't read that in the paper... He would have been still flying high on top of the world right now, just singing Gary's praises. But, and another thing, it's like, you, you can't just put someone on a pedestal like that, and then immediately when they mess up, it's like, it's all or nothing. It's like, I like you until this happens, and then I, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And Edward's calling him on it. It's like, hey, that's no attitude. You're normally able to roll with the punches. Of course, Rick's like, I'm going to get myself a glass of milk. And Edward's like, well, since you're not going to be drinking anymore, get me a glass of Gatorade. It's got dang Gatorade sponsoring this episode, I'm sure. Gatorade came in cans? When did that happen? I just saw a big old glass bottle of it the first time we saw the Gatorade. Now it's in cans? I've never seen Gatorade in cans. I've seen it in plastic bottles. So as Rick's poured himself a glass of delicious, delicious milk, in comes 
Alfonso and Jeff and Eyeball Chambers or Eric. Of course, because Alfonso got to go to the game, he's saying, well, the other two guys here are pretty raw about not being picked to go. They wanted sweaty towels from the team, too. And they're making jokes about, oh, we heard about your friend Gear, you know, going 90 on the expressway without a car. It's like, shut up. Ugh. It's amazing how fast these, these people just turn on someone when they mess up. When they... Because they're really ribbing Rick. Well, Alfonso is standing up for Rick. He's got, you know, a hand on his shoulder probably to keep Rick from beating the crap out of uh, Jeff and uh, Eric Eyeball Chambers there. It's like, hey, Alfonso, can you show these two the door? And Alfonso says, hey, how about we throw them from your bedroom window? And Rick at first was kind of laughing off like, <laughs> very funny, guys. And this eyeball chambers is all like, well, you did say he was going to break all kinds of records. And Jeff's like, oh, we didn't know you meant on the Long Island Expressway. You, Jeff, whoever you are, get out. Get out. You're a one-note player. We'll never see you again, thank goodness, because you suck. You both suck. Both you and eyeball chambers. Get out of their house. Alfonso says they're still ticked because they didn't get a towel. And Rick is, he's had enough. He's like, Alfonso, will you please show these guys out? Alfonso says, how about your upstairs window? And of course, uh, Eyeball Chambers is all like, oh, I bet if Gary jumped out a window, he'd go straight up. And I'm just thinking about the Hugging and Learning podcast. They do episodes on like very special episodes. And one of them, I had to go to YouTube to check this out. This really freaked me out. There's, um... I gotta find out. Hold on. It's called Desperate Lives, and I guess you can find clips of it on YouTube. Let's see. Special exploration of Helen Hunt jumping out a window. And I heard this on another podcast, and this is before I knew what that was. About Helen Hunt jumping out the window claiming she could fly or something to that effect. And... I didn't know it was when Helen Hunt was young. I, I just picture, like, Helen Hunt now as, you know, playing someone in a movie that's on a controlled substance and jumps out a window. Like, I can fly. Like, no, I'm like, oh my. And I, I looked it up on YouTube. And this, guys, this is what it's, like, made to scare kids away in the 80s from doing, like, don't do these drugs. Don't do these drugs. This could happen to you. You could take PCPs. I'm guessing that's... I guess it's like drugs that they made in a, like, a science lab in school. And they, like, took it and she, like, jumped out of... She jumped out a window. And she gets up on her feet and she's all like... And she's like, oh my god. It was spooky, guys. It put the fear of... Of that in me. That really, well, I mean, wow. Oh my goodness. That when the eyeball chamber's like, oh, I bet if Gary would jump it out a window, he'd go straight up. I really like how Alfonso puts a hand on Rick's, you know, kind of in between his the his shoulder and his neck and just kind of, you know, like, he, he can tell Rick's getting upset. And he's there for his friends. Like, you don't need these two bozos, this Eric and Jeff 
type characters. Get them out of here. They're horrible, sucky, terrible people. Get them out. Alright, so we go back to the court and Edward is on the court and it looks like Gary is making an appearance. So let's see. I honestly, I think, because as I've said, I haven't seen it before. I don't know how this is going to go out. This is this episode is going to finish off. But I think part of me thinks Edward's going to say, I don't want you having anything to do with my son. You're a bad influence. Or he's going to say... Because it seemed like he was kind of cutting Gary a break when he was talking to Ripley. Hey, we all, like, he made a mistake. And I, I'm thinking maybe he's going to be like, well, we all make mistakes. Maybe Rick will come around. I think it's going to be either or. Or it could go in a completely separate third direction that I don't see coming. Hi. Hi. Thought you were Rick. Just missed him. Yeah, he is kind of a cooler. Guess you've heard the news, huh? Kind of hard to miss. I was hoping I could talk to Rick. You don't know anything to do with him. I've tried to call a couple of times. I know. I wanted to tell him I'm going into a rehab program. Good for you. I won't be around for a while. Well, that's good to hear. I mean about the rehab program. Thanks. Anyway, I, I just want to let Rick know. I, I must have let him down. He, you think? I think you did. Hey, Dad, I got your soda. Because I forgot I threw out the Gatorade. Rick, I think Gary wants to talk to you. Dad, I've got a lot of homework to just catch up on. Just take a second, Rick. Rick. Why is he bringing that milk out with him? Gary, I'll see you around. Good luck. Thanks. So, Rick, uh, I'm not going to be around for a while. Good. Yeah, I read about the rehab program. I'm sorry I let you down, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know. See ya. Gary, why did you do it? Why did you ruin everything? I don't know. It was a dumb thing to do. Stupid. Idiotic. Basilic, feel free to stop me whenever you want. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, Rick, but actually I consider myself a very lucky guy. Lucky? Yeah. I got caught right away. All right. Almost right away. But I guarantee you something. I'm never going to let anything that stupid happen to me again. Yeah? I mean it. Honest. Friends? Friends. All right. So, uh, make the final cut yet? No, the final cuts happen this Friday. You, uh, still want some pointers? 
Well, hey, if I want to make the team. All right. Okay, there we go. There we go. All right. Pointer number one. All right. When you're guarding someone who's bigger than you. Yeah. Oh, hey. We're working a game. Don't ever let your guard down. <laughs> so Gary comes in and he's like, hey. And Edward does kind of seem like he is definitely reserved and keeping his irritatedness in check. And he's and Gary says, hey, I, I thought you were Rick. And Edward's like, well, you just missed him. And Gary, of course, starts talking like, oh, well, I guess you heard of the news. And Edward says, it's pretty hard to miss. It's like, it was on the front page. I'm sure if they turned on the TV, it'd be all over the news. So, how do you guys feel about this? The fact that Gary does come to talk to Rick, not just really to explain away why he did what he did, but also to let him, and he's letting Edward know, I've checked into a rehab center, I'm going to get help for this. Which probably, more than likely, he's been suspended from the team, and more than likely they're saying, pending your review at your rehab center and how you do allow all of this and they'll probably, you know, let him back on the team. Which is probably I don't know really how that whole goes if they flat out just suspend you if they say, no, you're done, you're not going to ever play for us again. Because think about it, it's not just a scandal for the player. He plays on a team. He's representing an entire team. That looks bad for all of that. I mean, that it just seems like it's a black cloud that just, like, that just follows the, the whole team. And eventually something else will arise that will probably take the place of that. But I, I don't know. Like I said, I've never been into sports and stuff, and I don't know how these scandals work. Like, how long does it take for this to go away? And... For the player, I mean, does it seem like he's kind of blacklisted? Like, when it comes time to maybe go for another team, are they going to look at, well, we see that you have a problem with this, you've gotten help, but we really don't want that kind of black cloud hanging over us. Or I don't know. I don't know. But I do like the fact that even though he is checking into rehab, he... And I, I was just even thinking about this. And I'm thinking, like, professional athletes, they don't just have a responsibility to themselves, but what about their audience? Kids like Rick that look up to them, maybe even want to be them. Or, you know, basically it's like you're setting an example, you're a role model for kids that look up to you who maybe eventually one day want to be a professional athlete. And it's like... Yeah, and plus you're in the eye all the time. You're a professional athlete. You're in the public eye, the spotlight, all the time. So it's like you really gotta watch what you say. You gotta watch what you do. You can't step a foot out of line, or they're gonna they're gonna eat it up. The the publicist, the um, the news, all of that. It's almost like being an athlete. It's like. People are putting you on a pedestal, and the moment you slip, it's like, you are, you're done. Your image is done. So, um, Gary says, 
I wanted to tell him I'm checking into a rehab facility and I won't be around for a while. And Edward says, well, that's good to hear. I mean about the rehabilitation. And Gary says, well, I wanted to let Rick know. I know I must have let him down. I'm like, you think? And Edward says, I think he did. Why? 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 Is... I get the soda. I get the soda. Why is he bringing a glass of milk from the kitchen? That, that's going to spill all over the court. It's going to stink when it gets hot out. You can't get that milk off of concrete. Can you? Well, maybe you can wash it away. I don't know. Does it seep into the concrete? I don't know. I mean, I know it's like probably... What is it going to be? Springtime there? I mean, he's... Both of them are wearing, like, sweatshirts or hoodies. Okay, is it just me or is that milk, like, filled to the brim? Whereas Rick is walking in, it looks like it's kind of spilling over the top. Yes! Some milk. They got that filled to the brim. He, like, took everything out of that, that milk. He drained that carton. Yeah, he makes a point because he sees Gary there. He's like, oh, I got you a soda because I uh, threw out the Gatorade because that was one of Gary's tips. Like, always, you know, get your electrolytes in. And Edward says, Rick, I think Gary wants to talk to you. And Rick's like, Dad, I got a lot of homework to do. And Gary's like, just take a second, Rick. And Edward says, Rick. And he looks at him like, I think you need to stay and listen to what Gary has to tell you. Ugh, put that glass down. I just think it's so stupid. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, oh, that is just, it makes me, it's a glass, it's a glass filled with milk that could break. Glass shards could get all over that basketball court. Someone could be falling on it and getting glass and just, mm. Before Edward leaves them alone, he says to Gary, good luck. So Gary starts off, because he's holding the basketball. And he says, well, Rick, I'm, I'm not going to be around for a while. And Rick will not even look at Gary. He's like, yeah, I read about the rehab program. And Gary tells Rick, I'm sorry I let you down. And I think, I think, I mean, technically Gary did not have to do this. He didn't have to come to Rick and say, I'm sorry I let you down. But he feels... That, you know, he worked with Rick one-on-one -on -one and they'd established a friendship and everything. And he sees this young man who is looking up to him, maybe wanting to be a professional basketball star. And he feels the responsibility, like, I have to, I have to, you know, he, he wants to explain himself. He wants to know that, you know, hey, I made a mistake and I just, I don't want you to, basically, I don't think he wants Rick to punish himself by not you know, trying out for the team. But Rick kind of shakes that off. And I like that he does. But I also, I mean, that Rick wants to know, like, why did you do this, Gary? Why did you do something so stupid? Oh, he brought the milk out so he could drink it because he takes a sip. <laughs> and Gary clearly sees he's not going to get much farther with Rick. So he puts the ball down. It's like, yeah, well, uh, I just wanted to let you know. And he sets the ball down. He says, see ya. And he... Turns around and leave, goes to leave. Rick turns and says, Gary, why did you do it? And Rick continues, why did you ruin everything? Again, this is a pure example of Rick putting this man on a pedestal there. He can do no wrong. And as soon as he slips, it's like... It's almost... Rick feels 
almost it seems like Rook feels like he's owed an explanation because he's taking it personally because they formed a friendship and, you know, Gary taught him all this stuff, so. And this speaks clearly to any kid who's ever, you know, it doesn't even have to be a professional athlete. You know, someone you looked up to, an older sibling, an older cousin, an aunt, an uncle, or someone that you admire. And they do something that is so wrong in your eyes that it's just, like I said, it's that pedestal where it's like they fall off and it's like you don't look at them the same way again. So, at first Gary says, I don't know, it was a dumb thing to do, it was stupid, it was imbecilic, it was, you can stop me anytime. But Gary says to Rick, he's like, well, I'm glad I got caught this time. Because in a way he says... This is going to help me. Almost kind of, you know, get things back on track and whatnot. Okay, so Gary says, you know, this might come as a shock, Rick, but I consider myself very lucky. And Rick can hardly believe his ears. He's like, lucky? And Gary says, yeah, I got caught right away. And Gary corrects himself, well, almost right away. And I'm going to tell you something. I guarantee I'm never going to let something that stupid happen to me again. And I like that it's like he's going to get the help. But then again, this is something that, especially if he's been hooked at, you know, he's got to most likely go through through detox and everything and then go through a, a step program, probably get a sponsor and, and everything. And it's like... This isn't just something that you lift this problem and you're moving on. It's like, this is going to follow you. This is something that's going to be, you're going to have to work on for the rest of your life. And this, no matter how old this guy gets, no matter if he retires from basketball, this is one little blip that I think will still follow him down the road. It's like, people are like, yeah, he was a great basketball star, but hey, remember in the 80s when he got busted for coke? It's like sometimes people will remember you for something that you, the one little bad thing, the one little screw up you did, not for all your accomplishments, but that one little thing like, hey, remember the guy that did this, which I I don't know. I think it is kind of terrible that you mess up one, you know, especially if, if you're in the, uh, the eye of the, you know, the public eye and everything like that. And Rick's like, yeah, and Gary says, I mean it. He says, I mean it, honest. And he puts out his hand, he's like, are we friends? And Rick extends his hand and shakes Gary's hand and says, friends. So Gary asks, hey, you made the final cut yet? And Rick says, no, the final cut happens this Friday, but, um... And Gary says, hey, you want some pointers? And I like how Rick just kind of turns this around. He's like, oh, well, if I want to make the team. And he sets that glass of milk down. Like, get, mm, set that well off to the side so you're not going to, like, smash it. Because that is a glass that is, that's glass that's going to break. <laughs> so the tip he gives Rick is, like, when you're guarding someone who's bigger than you, and he's like, oh, hey, and then he turns and does a, uh, a a jump shot. He's or a layup or a whatever. He's like, never let your guard down. Yeah, I I like how this scene played out. How it ended. Rick's gonna continue to try out for the basketball team, and Gary's gonna get help. 
they managed to stay friends, which is awesome. And of course, we gotta find out about that fishing trip. Here it is. Now, I don't want you catching cold. Honey, I'm a fisherman. I never catch cold. Yeah, right. right. Or fish, either. Look <laughs> at all those lures on his hat. You know, Dexter isn't exactly the fishing type. How did you convince him? I promised I'd put his worm on the hook for him. <laughs> oh, no. It's about Kate. It's about Kate. You're going to wear that in a rowboat? I'm too upset to go fishing. Oh, what's wrong? The Long Island Business World magazine came out today. Oh, that's right. Well, how was the article? I've never read such a glowing report in all my life. About oh, Kate. Well, I bet. Must have been all those nice things that I said. Yes, I just wish you'd said them about me. Yeah. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? This. I figured it would be Kate on the cover. Yep. Did I call that or did I call that? Yeah, I called that. I figured that lady was more interested in hearing about Kate's success as the president of Eddie Toys and her climbing up the career ladder. So I, I, I kind of figured, yeah, yeah, she's going to end up on the cover. Yep. And she did. So pretty much I already gave my silver spoonful. My ratings for this episode, um... I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. I honestly did not see anything wrong with it. I mean, yes, I didn't like uh, Jeff and Eyeball Chambers slash Eric irritated me, but that's not enough to take a point off. So, let's focus on the episodes for next week. Alright, so both of these episodes are going to have returning characters. The first one, Season 5, Episode 19, entitled Baby Blues, which aired on February 17th, 1986. Wait just a holy moon minute here. Is this... Hold on, I want to... This is the air dates. We had Baby Blues airing the day after... Hero worship, which is interesting because it's normally, you know, week to week. Anyway, Baby Blues, February 17th, 1987, original air date. In this episode, Rick fixes up an old classmate, now an unwed mother, with a contractor who has no idea he's dating a parent. This has got a high rating. This has got a 7.4 out of 10 based on 16 ratings. The returning character, Beth. Remember from season 4, Daddy Rick? Where she plays his classmate. They get set up for this marriage parenting class and it's revealed that she and her, her boyfriend, her college boyfriend slept together and now she's pregnant and Rick kind of helps her through that situation. That's from season four. So it's nice that we get to revisit this character because I'm sure we all are like, hey, remember Beth? Let's find out what's going on with her. It's been a bit. How's she and her baby? Um, We have the con <laughs> this guy's just, his name is just contractor, Robert Krantz. See, Joe D. Rita plays a boss, somebody's boss, and Bradley. Got we gotta see Eyeball Chamber slash Eric again. Why? I can't stand him. So, 
Not only we we get a returning character in that episode, we get a returning character from season five. Episode Lost and Found, episode two from season five, where we meet Kate's grandmother, Mildred. We get to see her again. Thoroughly Modern Mildred, episode 20, which aired on February 26, 1987. When Kate's grandmother arrives with her new boyfriend, everyone is shocked that they are sharing a bedroom. Why? Why are we shocked? She's 80-something years old, or 60, or 70. I don't know. But you shouldn't be shocked. She had a husband. He passed away. She's got a boyfriend. She's shacking with him. Seriously. How old-fashioned is everybody? Kate, come on. Really? And the fact that Edward likens this to criticizing Rick for going a bit too far with the girl while he was out. Didn't we just see this episode of Rumors Are Flying? Did he go farther with, than just sleeping with the girl on his bed? Does Edward catch him in the act? This is, it's ridiculous. This has got a 7.1, so it's actually, it's got three points less than um, Baby Blues. So I'm just like, this sounds ridiculous. I'm sure Mildred's like, fine, we don't have to stay here. My boyfriend and I, we can stay in a hotel or, or whatever, but we're sharing a bed. I mean, this isn't like Kate's dealing with her mother whose husband has passed who's now dating somebody. This is a grandmother who said you get a say in anything she does. I mean, I was so angry. You probably heard it. And I was so angry with Kate for feeling it's like she has to control like her her grandmother. And rein her in and everything. Like, this woman is still capable of making decisions on her own. Lay off. And why do I get that we're going to get the exact same behavior from Kate that we had in that episode and this one. And it's going to make me that much more angry. Ugh. So... All right, after these two episodes, we got two podcast episodes left. Pardon my French, we get the final appearance of John Houseman, which honestly, maybe it's best they didn't do a season six because sadly, John Houseman would die the following year, 1988. We have Educating Rick, where I guess he and Brad are going to go visit a... A local theme, wait, what? A more rigorous, wait, oh, they're going to a party school. They're going to go hang out at a party college school. And why in the world Edward wants to steer Rick towards a more rigorous all-male college? Edward, did you go to an all-male college? I doubt it. Why are you steering Rick towards it? Like, oh, it's probably, it's his close to Yale or Harvard as you're gonna get, son. Something in that regard. Then after that, of course, we got Edward's big adventure. Uh, oh, yeah, um, oh, before that, of course, we got Pardon My French, where Grandfather Stratton returns from France, surprising everyone with his much younger fiancé. <sighs> 
good golly. They are they are literally scraping like crumbs from the barrel at this point. But this the second to last episode of the series, Edward's Big Adventure. Bored by being left home alone, Edward ventures out to a bar he used to frequent in college, okay, but loses his wallet while dealing with a pool shark. What? What? Ugh. And, of course, we have Let It Snow that's got a 7.7. It's the series finale. Kate and Edward try to have a romantic weekend in the snow, but Rick, Alfonso, Brett, and Dexter spoil their plans. Getting time alone is impossible, especially when a blizzard hits their cabin. Whew! Okay, well... Yeah, I am I am sad that this podcast is coming to an end that I've almost covered all the episodes. It's been a fun, great journey over the last two years. The show has really, really been close to me, close to my heart. Watching Rick grow up from a twelve year old to a sixteen year old young man. It's just it's been fun on this journey. Granted I'm talking like this is the final podcast episode. I'm not there yet. So again, everyone. Have a wonderful week, and I'll be back next week with the next two episodes. Bye-bye.